0: to the bomb hole. bomb hole
1: podcast it's going to be very hot it's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody <laughs>
0: the bomb hole we slide down some big
2: hills you know what I mean on a big nice burgundy snowboard
3: all right big day here at the bomb hole which is presented by pub beer before we get into it always got to ask stony buds how are we doing today so good my dog ooh good flow that one flowed nicely To my left, we have Robin Van Gin in the studio today. Robin, how you doing?
2: So good, my dog.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I like hers better. Hers is pretty nice. Uh, For our listeners that don't know who Robin is, uh, I just want to let you guys know it's going to be a great episode. And she is a multi-dimensional human that is elevating snowboarding to ridiculous heights. She is two-time video part of the year winner. She is the destroyer of everything in the backcountry. She won the entire natural selection tour people. She's true to her core values. She stands up for what she believes in. She's a movie producer, a backcountry tail guide, which will be fun to talk about, a ripping surfer. Overall, she's living a very righteous life. So excited to pick Robin's brain today. Uh, It's an honor and treat to have you in the booth, Robin. So uh, I kind of want to start this thing off a little bit differently. Uh, So I was thinking about changing gears here. Uh, Instead of normally starting the way we do, you know, I think it'd be cool to talk about guiding. So it's like for a lot of people, they know you from video parts and the natural selection and things like that. But many don't know that you're a backcountry tail guide. So first of all, what is a tail guide and what drove you to become a guide?
2: Oh, um, yeah. So a tail guide is basically, we work with another guide, a lead guide to take people out in the backcountry, whether it's heli cat which is what I do uh, predominantly split boarding Um, however you guide people into the backcountry. I'm like the support team I'm like in the back holding it down so that's what a tail guide is Um, and I got into guiding pretty early it was actually like it was a job you know and it was kind of just a evolution of I don't know just being in Whistler and trying to figure out what to do and what felt good. I started off as an ATV guide (laughs) in the summer, and then I moved into being a snowmobile guide. Um, And then I spent some years in Argentina doing freestyle coaching, but we ended up going in the backcountry to do that. So over time, with the evolution of that particular program, we became guides. Um, And so I kind of started guiding down there. So And then I spent a whopping total of 12 summers down there. And kind of along that same, like alongside of that, um, I had been on my first trip to Baldface and didn't really know what like the Canadian guiding situation was like. I'd only really done it in South America where the rules and regulations are completely different. Um, And so kind of going to Baldface and seeing how they operated was a really big light bulb for me. I was like, holy shit, these guys are like pros like people do this as like a full career. Um, and like snowboarding was always, you know, great for me, but I wasn't like killing it, you know, like the cheddar biscuits weren't a plenty. So I was, um, yeah, looking for other work always. And guiding just like came up for me. It was a great way for me to snowboard and make money. Um, so I started doing that. So, and then I started working at Baldface um, after Jeff kind of recruited me on my first trip to Bald face, so.
3: What are the certifications and stuff that go into guiding?
2: Um, it depends on what kind of guide you are and where you want to go. So um, and it is a little bit complex, and it differs for every everywhere. You know, the United States is very different from Canada. So is Europe. Everybody's got different um, standards, regulations, courses. But in Canada, to be a tail guide, you have to do what's called Operations 1, which is like a two-week course. Um, and it's kind of the intro to like, um, professional guiding. Um, and you need to have, um, 80 hour wilderness first aid, which is a, another two week thing. And then, um, from there you can tail guide. And then from that point, there's like the CAA certifications and then there's like your guiding certification. So there's the CSGA, which is the Canadian Ski Guide Association, and then there's the ACMG, which is more globally recognized. So um, there's kind of like snow safety and science and then guiding, and they both kind of go like this. And actually navigating how to become a lead guide can be really confusing. Um, But I think at this point, I'm like, I figured it out. I'm like, okay, I know what I need to do. So um,
3: Incredible stuff. I think
1: down uh, in... Argentina you can kind of it's pretty loose compared you go yeah. up to Canada it's just like you know they're serious down in Argentina it's like anything kind of goes and yeah so that was probably a, a wake-up call and I'm, I'm guessing the um the tail guide is for like the people that are kind of straggling and need extra help you're like pushing them along making sure
2: not necessarily no um tail guides basically like a support for the lead guide mm. and it, at least in in Argentina we had lead guides open zones, and then we were taking people on our own. So at some points, I was leading.
0: Oh, okay. Whereas
2: to do that in Canada is a whole other ball game, um, and so. But the tail guide is is not really to pick up stragglers, but really just to make sure that we're like keeping this like tight cohesive crew, and we're also providing beta. So when the lead guide's dealing with like the whole group as a as a whole, we're possibly digging pits and getting like beta from a zone that we want to go to and like communicating that with all the other guides on the guiding team. So it's really about like really gathering beta, having somebody else to support. Um, and yeah, you do end up picking people up sometimes.
1: That's cool. It's that sounds <laughs> yeah. like a fun job.
2: It's really fun. Yeah. And people are always like, Oh, don't you want to go first? I'm like, yeah, I really do. And I'm like working on that right now. Uh, currently kind of in the middle of it. Um, but also going last is amazing because you can kind of go where nobody else wants. <laughs> you <know, laughs> you're standing at the top, kind of like waiting for everybody to be down, for them to give you the call, like, okay, we got everybody. And then you're like, okay, so everybody went here. and I'm just going to go like slightly over here. you, know, so you always still
1: get got- an awesome run. In. You got yeah. a, and then you
3: got an audience, too, so you can kind of yeah, bust.
1: That's probably almost better in, in a way.
3: Yeah. We got a guest question from Jeff Pensiero. Here we go
1: hey there, Robin. Jeff here calling you from Snowy Nelson. Looking forward to getting some more fun days in this winter. I have a guiding question for you. Um, Out of all the shit you carry in your pack, what do you think is the most unnecessary piece of equipment that you have yet to use in necessity?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Really interested to know. Every guide has a different piece of useless crap in their backpack that they've never needed before. Can't wait to hear what yours is.
2: Wow, that's actually a pretty hard question. Like, stuff that you don't need.
1: But yet, you're supposed to bring it every time, I think, right? Is that...
2: Yeah, I mean, I've whittled down my pack quite a bit. You know, it's usually, like, I take out all the things that you're, like... Not all the things. I take out some things. (laughs) Um, I guess when they ask you to have, like, multiples of, say, like, a sling... I take those out. I do have one, uh, maybe two, but I don't think that's the most useless thing. I'm, th- I'm trying to think. That's you like know, a, You know
3: what? It's non tangible. I got an answer for you bad attitude.
2: <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Doesn't have to be physical, right? <laughs> non yeah. physical. Yeah. Yeah. And I just like love Jeff. I like, he's been such a great friend and mentor for me. And he's really like opened a lot of doors. And I can honestly say I don't think I would be where I am today without Jeff's like love and support over the years. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. A, he's a
3: champion. Well, he talked about what you don't need in your pack. I think it's important for people listening that are wondering oh, what is what should I have in my pack? Like what's the most important items in the pack when you're heading out in the mountains?
2: Yeah, but you definitely need, you know, the essentials. Like you need a knife. And you need some, like, pericord. And you need a little bit of duct tape and some zap straps and, you know, beacon shovel probe. I always have a snow saw with me. I have a little snow safety or a snow, like, science kit. Um, and that's pretty small, too. It's about that big. But it has, like, the essentials to kind of, like, you know, dig a pit and effectively do that and get everything you need. So, yeah.
3: Earlier off-air, you had a very insightful answer where you mentioned uh, a non-tangible. Item you need to bring with you.
2: Yeah, so um, the most important item is knowledge and skills, because to me, it's not about what's the most important thing in your backpack. It's avoiding the situation altogether and being able to recognize, um, you know, when that could potentially happen. And when you're when you're learning and you have some skills and you're doing your research and you're showing up prepared, you can avoid it. It can be avoided. So I would say the avoiding is the most important. So knowledge and skill is most mm. important for sure.
3: Last thing before we change gears, though. Uh, really powerful quote, like, you know, Buffery uh, hammers on that you mentioned earlier, too. I think it'd be cool to touch on.
2: Yeah. So uh, John Buffery, who is another like amazing mentor for me. I love him so much. Just ran for mayor of Nelson. Oof. But he's, you know, he's our mayor. He's he's great. Um, he was actually Craig Kelly's personal guide, um, and just a all-round, uh, really good icon in avalanche safety and in guiding in general. Um, and he always says slow is fast. And to me, it's not just applied in avalanche training or in the mountains. It's like in life in general, um, just being able to kind of be a little bit more intentional, but what you're doing, not trying to do everything, um, which I'm like slowly, slowly learning to do. Uh, but it's a hard ho- horse to get off of, for sure. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, slow is fast.
3: Makes sense so much in those panic situations too when you're like, okay, shit's hitting the fan. Oh, let's slow down, let's be present, let's hone in. But I love the the day-to-day application because I think we can all relate to heading out of the house and you're all disheveled and you forget your keys and you're trying to move quickly, but you inversely end up forgetting all your stuff. So it's I, I think that's a good
1: life lesson. Even in the office too, you make uh, panic decisions too fast if you just slow down and do it right. You're yeah. gonna get a better result,
2: and I'm like really guilty of not living by that. Yeah, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm trying. Yeah, I'm, it's
1: something you got to think about. On huh?
2: yeah, I think I, for most of my life and snowboard career, I've been like just, you know, more is more, and you're like, okay, I just yes, I can do that. Yeah, I can do this, and you're like piling on, piling on, piling, and like it just, uh, it definitely caught up to me, um, especially in the last couple years where I just kind of went like. Oh, like, what is going on here? And so, like, moving into this season, I've kind of had this, like, um, I guess, just sort of a visual cue of, like, what I wanted to be like. And instead of having, like, you know, like a bushfire, I want to, like, gather all the embers and make, like, a bonfire. You mm-hmm. know, and, like, having that, like, focusing the fire somewhere or whatever it is you're focused on. Um, but kind of, like, not trying to do everything, but really just, like you know, what's important to you right now? Okay, like, what do you want out of your season or what do you want out of your day or whatever it is? But, like, really just taking that and, like, trying to, you know, put energy towards, like, one thing instead of just spreading yourself across. Yeah.
3: Wise wise and. words. Just read a book in regards to that semi-recently on minimalism. Can't remember the name of the book. But the, the like, the main theme of the book is... The discipline pursuit of less, but better kind of aligns with what you're saying.
2: Yeah, totally. And like, really, like I've, I've seen it in my snowboarding, you know, like if you're just trying like to do it all, like it, you just can't, you just can't. And like, really, I've seen my snowboarding suffer because I'm just like, I'm here and I'm there and I'm doing this thing. I'm doing that thing. And like, part of me is like, oh no, it's totally okay to, to snowboard like this for now. But, like, you know, there is an element of, like, ego involved. You want to, like, be proud of what you've done. And, like, I think I would like to focus back on snowboarding and not trying to do, like, 10 different projects and just do, like, one and, like, focus on that and, like, get that, like, pride back, you know?
3: Mm. We have a guest question from uh, Leanne Pelosi in regards to what we're talking about. We're going to get right into it. Here we go.
0: Hey Robin, this is your pal Leanne. I just wanted to say that I am so impressed with your career. I think you've done so much for snowboarding and you always continually push yourself and you work really, really hard and I'm so inspired by you and I just wanted to ask you, how do you deal with burnout? I know you had a lot on your plate last winter and you have a hard time saying no to things, so Just wanna kinda get into your head a little bit about how you manage everything. How do you manage to do it all?
2: (laughs) Oh man, Leanne, she's so nice. That's thank you for saying that. It was really nice. Um, and talk about like I've done so much, like Leanne's done it all. And I would not she's not one of those people. I would not be here without the love and support of Leanne. Yeah, she's giving me a lot of opportunities. So a little shout out for her. Yeah. Um, burnout. Yeah, it's definitely real. I th- I feel like uh, especially, I want to say like it really st- kind of started mounting me like saying yes to everything in that COVID year. Um, went from, you know, like three months of doing nothing and like, you know, departing mm-hmm. from one of my biggest sponsors I've ha- I had for 13 years and having three months to do nothing but like surf and chill with Austin and then kind of going like, okay, like it's a bit of a turning point, you know, I'm like, okay, I, you know, I have like, I've got to get some new sponsors and like, what do I want? How do I want to show up? And I just kind of like, you know, the fire was lit and I was like, okay, I just got to like go for it. This is like a really important year to like, you know, almost like prove yourself or just like stay relevant and like, kind of say like, I'm still here. Um, and of course we had like significant quarantines in Canada. So every time I traveled, I had to quarantine for two weeks and I had um, bitten off a project, kind of like a, a personal passion project um, that I had been working on and started that the year before. And then it was kind of moving into the second year of that. So it's like, you know, like turn up the volume on that like quite a bit. And managing that, and um, and then having, like, natural selection. And then, oh, well, am I still trying to film? Yeah, sure, I'll still try and film. And I just, it seems, like, from the outside, like, it was this amazing year. You know, you completed this project, and wow, one natural selection. And it was honestly one of the worst seasons I've ever had on a personal level. There was a lot of highs, like, so many highs, but also, like, really, really deep lows, you know, and I, I don't ever want to feel like that again. Yeah. And, and it kind of just kept going, you know, it was like, okay, like, oh, the season's done. And then I was like, boom, turn around straight into post-production and working on that. And we were, you know, fairly underfunded for the size of the project, working with 21 different uh, people and trying to manage that and the music. And I was wearing a lot of hats at the time to try and like just uh, keep up and get the project finished. And uh, on top of that, I like sold my house (laughs) and then got another one. And like, you know, it was just like so much. And I I actually felt like, I I remember calling like a doctor friend of mine and just being like, can you die of stress? (laughs) Is that possible? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> what was the answer <laughs> uh the
2: answer is indirectly no uh, indirectly yes yeah because of what yes.
1: it does to you huh? yeah
2: and i i actually developed a pretty like over that two years i i developed insomnia i just wasn't sleeping because i couldn't rest my brain and it, it almost like created this like really shitty pattern of like your brain's just like always on and you go to bed and you're like oh yeah i'm so tired and then your brain just like, ding, oh, yeah, this thing, this thing, this thing, you know. <laughs> and it was, like, quite awful. Yeah, it was, like, I hated it. And I, I loved the year, and I was, like, a lot of major accomplishments for me, like, huge. And I should have been, like, on top of the world. I should have felt, like, super tall, and I just, I didn't. You know, I felt, like, crushed, absolutely crushed. So... Um, yeah, the wearing of hats just caught up to me big time and I'm still, um, feeling the burnout. I'm like just starting to have the cloud, like slowly move, like the mist move away slowly, but it's there, you know, and I'm finding ways to like, you know, like I was talking about earlier instead of the bushfire, like trying to make a bonfire and like, what's important to me and like, how do I, how do I move forward just like doing what's important? So. Uh yeah and Leanne's been there too. There's been, we've both done like quite like production, a lot of production and uh yeah, it's a lot. I think there's a lot of expectation too from brands. You know, you feel like I I got to like do this film and I I got to do more and how do I become indispensable, you know? But I think at the end of the day it it can be not worth it. Yeah.
3: That's interesting. Couple things there. Uh <clears throat> Well, first of all, I'm wondering, are you getting better at saying no?
2: Yeah, Good. I am. i said <laughs> no to three things. Good. Three <laughs> things This month. <laughs> three
3: things in one month. <laughs> three things in one month. Something to be celebrated. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. You're talking about the brands putting expectation on you. But in reality, I think the brands sometimes don't put that much expectation on riders. The riders or ourselves put that expectation, like how much of that is the brands and how much is that is a story conjured up in your head? To-
2: no, you're totally right. It's a hundred percent like the experience I've had in snowboarding, you know, and what I feel like I have to do. And in reality, you don't, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Um, but I think I just, I, I like, I like working hard. I enjoy working hard and like being proud of what I've done. And I, I like showing up for brands when, you know, they give me so much. Like, every day I feel so lucky to have the life that I do and have the support that I do and being able to just go snowboarding when maybe I should just be doing that, you know, instead of, like, doing all these other things to feel like I just want to be a part of it, you know?
1: Some FOMO going on, too, huh? (laughs) Seriously. All right, we're going to take a quick break
3: and talk about one of our sponsors.
1: Yes, we are, Chris. For this winter, we're partnering with a travel brand, DB, designed in Scandinavia, built for the journey. DB products feature the hookup system, meaning you can carry your board bag, wheelie bag, and backpack with a single hand. Yeah, these bags are phenomenal.
3: They also feature ribcage technology, ensuring all your gear is protected. DB is the brand for award-winning snow travel gear backed by Sage Kotzeberg, Kevin Bagstrom, Estelle Pensiero, and you know Gimbal God loves that ribcage technology for all his camera gear. So to find out more, follow them on IG at dbjourney.
1: Or go to www.dbjourney.com and sign up for the DB Black Membership to be the first to know where their new Sage Kotzenberg line is going to drop this winter.
3: And they got a special deal going. Best hooked up luggage ride this winter. Wins a full Sage Kasselberg Edition travel collection. You're going to be kitted out with the newest DB gear. Again, check out dbjourney.com and their Instagram at dbjourney. Well, uh, I love that conversation. Let's go. Let's run it back to the early years uh, when that bushfire was just that bushfire was just getting sparked, if you will. The old
1: bushfire. When, huh? Yeah,
3: the old when that that uh, just kind of sharpening your teeth, figuring out like where are you from, how did you find snowboarding, and how did you fall in love with it.
2: Um, I'm from Vancouver Island, which is, I'm from a little place called Victoria. It used to be quaint. Um, It's the capital of British Columbia. And (laughs) there are no mountains. (laughs) There are none. So I actually came to snowboarding pretty late. Um, I was 16. Actually, I had a snowboarding experience when I was about, like, I think 12. But it was terrible. Like, somebody gave me this airwalk snowboard and with the bindings and I was just like didn't have the right size boots it was I I couldn't go downhill and I I was skiing at the time um, with my family in a resort called Silver Star which is in Vernon Um, and yeah somebody's brother had one and they were like you should try it and I was like cool you know put on his boots they were huge and the snowboard was huge and I got to the top of this run and of course it's like all moguls and they're like, okay, go. I, like, sat on the snowboard and basically just tried to get to the bottom. And I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm good on that.
0: <laughs>
2: but uh, when I was, like, 16, I had, you know, that was kind of when that the culture was kind of gaining traction, like, in, the, in a more mainstream uh, space. And I just thought it was so cool. Like, I read snowboard magazines before I even – went snowboarding I would watch videos and then um, my sister got a snowboard one of those k2 clickers you know step in and I borrowed it and I went and I did like the three days I was like I have to learn this and I went for three days and it was it was fun but it was also like terrible I was just going so fast like trying to keep up but like wasn't and I was just tumbling like literally tomahawking down the mountain trying to go fast and keep up with everybody. And I just didn't know how to snowboard. But um, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of like felt, it felt good. And there's very few things in life where you're just like, oh, I have to do this. Like, this is what I'm doing now. (laughs) And it was very clear. You know, it was like that internal compass or the voice or whatever it is. was just like, this is what you're doing now. So don't worry about everything else. And I just went, like, ham. I dropped everything, moved to Whistler, lived in an apartment with, like, three other women. It was, like, a, you know, bachelor with two queen beds that came down. And we just, like, made it happen. I was, like, wrapping burritos and, um, yeah, started ATV guiding. <laughs> um, tried to sneak into Camp of Champs a bunch of times. And, uh, yeah, I. but I really started to, like... Um, the like to get going I think when I moved to Calgary was when it became a little bit like less of a scratch I was like scratching around trying to like have enough money to go and Whistler and that whole scene was like incredible like just seeing all the riders you saw in videos in real life and I was like making them burritos like oh my god it's J.F. Pelsha you know and I was like (laughs) and my nickname was burrito girl you know, and they had no idea I was just like the biggest fan. And people would come in after like a day of sledding and filming, and you could tell because they had like all their stuff with them. And I was just like such a fan,
3: burrito girl. <laughs> so when you moved to Calgary, did you oh. uh, sleep in a van or something like that?
2: Oof. Um, what's
3: the story? It's yeah, a cold
1: place yeah. to be living in a van.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I lived in a van for a year, um, but I I chose to do that. It was, I had a place in Calgary, like a, like a house with friends while I was going to university and COP was right there. So that was like my thing. Like that was my schedule, you know, like get all my schedule and my classes in the morning and like do all of that, go do homework and then like hit COP. And it was like the best scene, you know, it was like. When uh, Jed Anderson was like Grammy forum kid and Dustin Craven, we called him the king of COP. <laughs> just like a Maybe shitty still is. Maybe Craven
1: still is. was yeah. the king of COP. That's dope.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like the king of COP. And he was just cruise around with like a posse, just like <laughs> so full of himself. Like I'm the best. And we were like, Oh yeah, you kind of are the best.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's just negative 40. People yeah. are just chucking roast out there.
2: Totally. Yeah. And it was like, doesn't matter what the weather's doing there. It's, it's such a cool spot, and, like, not enough people know about it. It's, it's rad. Calgary's a cool place for, like, stomping grounds and snowboarding. I think that's why so many good Albertans mm-hmm. are snowboard- or
3: snowboarders. A lot of Berta rippers. Mm-hmm. I was watching the TGR video you are in, and I wrote down a quote, uh, something about along the lines of, like, something you struggled with was, blocking out the normalities of getting married, getting a house, and getting a job was difficult but you had to accept that that was the life you chose. I kind of want to hear you elaborate on that.
2: Yeah. Okay. This is like deep. Yeah, that's a, deep. yeah
1: that's a good one. That's a good one right there. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I th- I think, I mean, I grew up in a very like, I want to say like a quintessential family. You know, I got to do all the sports, at least a quintessential white family in Victoria. You know, I was had every opportunity And, you know, I was afforded to have an education and go to university and those opportunities were all there for me. And I think I don't know if it's generational, but at least like the the confines of like what's normal felt like go to school, become a professional, you know. And I intended on becoming like a dentist or something because my dad's a dentist and I admired him so much. Still do. Great guy. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yep. "Mm Pop just got an air horn. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, And that was like inspiring to me, just the life that he built. Uh, Him and my mom. She was a professor, and so I had professionals as parents. (laughs) Yeah, Jerry, Jerry Van G, and I call her the uh, (laughs) Hurricane Jerry.
1: (laughs) Hurricane Jerry.
2: (laughs) She's a wild redhead. Yeah. Yeah. And feminist. Great woman. Um, Taught me everything I know. Uh, But yeah, so I just felt like, you know, you've been given this amazing opportunity to have whatever life you choose. And for me, choosing an alternative (laughs) uh, alternative life wasn't exactly like people weren't like, wow, way to go. You're a snowboard bum. You know, they were like, so you're still snowboarding. So are you still doing that? You know, and being able to I, – and I used to at the beginning just be like, oh, yeah, actually, I'm, um, you know, in university and uh, there's some great marketing opportunities. And, you know, you, know, you kind of like butter it up and then really at some point you're just like, this is what I chose and this is what I love and this is what I want to do. So I'm doing this and I'm going to do it my way. And, you know, making it as a professional snowboarder still seems so crazy to me. Like, it was – it was really hard, but it was so worth it. It felt, like, it felt like regular career development. You know, like the same amount of time and effort is put into that as it would be put into like becoming a dentist. And, like, it's just what I wanted to do in the end. You know, I'm like, where do I want to end up? I want to end up, like, doing a method somewhere. <laughs> right? So, um, But it is hard to kind of get past that and, like, reply to people um, without – Seeming like you're you're trying to make it like something else. You just have to be like, okay, well, this is what I'm doing now. And there are still moments where I still catch myself, like, trying to make it more professional. But um, less and less. Because I like that shitty part of me. You know? Not that it's shitty. It's, like, shitty in, in a good way. You know? Like, the kind of just the alternative culture, I loved everything about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, the way, the the gifts that it's given me, like... I've traveled the world. I've met my best friends. I've met some of my best mentors and teachers. Like, holy shit, it's been so incredible. Like, wow. I, like, never even imagined it could be this, but um, it can. And really, I feel like you can apply that to anything, you know? Mm -hmm.
3: So good. I never think about, we're we're so deeply embedded in uh, this snowboard culture that I actually don't really find myself thinking about the ab normality of it and i have recently uh, in some experiences kind of realized that a lot of maybe older people maybe look down on or you know i'm i'm 35 years old and i still skateboard and i still ride a snowboard and there's people i'll, I'll just be totally transparent i'm like i've been single for a little while and i've been on some dating apps and you're talking to, to some women and stuff and they're like they're like you still do that. Like you're just yeah. a big kid, and it's it's like it's <laughs> condescending. But inversely, the thing I've also realized is I'm like, yeah, I I still am a kid, and being a kid is fucking dope. Yeah, and you know, like we we still j- we go fuck around and, and like we I think we age less. I think we age less because we're still just little. We're just still just kids as opposed to like. You grow up, you have a family, you have kids, you go to your job you hate, and you do that thing, which respect, if that's what you're going to But a lot of times I see people at the same age, I'm like, damn, you, shit, you're looking old, dog. Yeah.
2: Yes. <laughs> no, like, you're so right. I feel like sometimes the way people talk to you, you're like, oh, okay. You don't really think this is a thing, but, like, it's amazing. Like, look at what you've done. You know, you've had this, like, super long career and now this, like, incredibly successful podcast. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. (laughs) Which, like, we should be celebrating, you know, that style of living. Like, it's great for people who are wondering if they should or should not. Should. Big time. Whatever you want to do. But, like, don't be committed to that life that seems normal or, like, that people expect. You know, there's so much... There's so much you can you can do. like Just being creative and, like, with the way you want to live and just, like, doing that. Like, it's incredible what people do for a living now. And I'm like, whenever people are condescending, I always, like, you know, it still feels weird. You're like, oh, that's sad. But at the same time, you're like, well, how's your life?
1: Well, that's why they're giving <laughs> you a little grief, you know. <laughs> yeah. And they also, they'll look at Chris and they'll be like, there's no way. How can you get paid? It's not a job. They don't even. They have no idea. You know.
2: Yeah, it absolutely is a job. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah. you know
3: what we're doing? We're snapping necks and cashing <laughs> yeah. checks over here. And <laughs> you know?
1: In their minds, <laughs> you're not cashing any checks. No, no way.
3: They're still. You're still living in, in the bo- uh, yeah. mom's furnace in the basement. Well, you're still you a basement. If you
1: tell people you're doing a podcast too, they're oh, just totally. Like, Yeah, you and every other person. That's a fun hobby. Like, they don't understand there's business to all these things.
2: Yeah, and I I do want to recognize that it's not as easy or as accessible for everybody. Um, Obviously, I had a really great safety net. And I think uh, we're always like, yeah, you can be whatever you want to be and do whatever you want to do. But I think, you know, for some people, the reality isn't necessarily that. They have dependence and they support their families and it's, it's a different thing. And I personally had the privilege of having that safety net so I could take risks with my life to be like, okay, yeah, I think I'll just, um, not use my university degree and I'll just be a snowboard bum and see if I can make money doing that, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, that's great. But I understand that that's not exactly available to everybody. And I, Mm -hmm. I do think it's important to like recognize that too. Uh,
3: another I'm going to kind of just add on to that and while we're talking about it too because I also think about like chasing your dream, thinking about your dream. If you want to snowboard and you want to snowboard a lot, being a professional maybe isn't the best route. Like, you know, there's a famous Craig Kelly quote that like my highest appreciation goes out to the rider that's simply out there to enjoy the experience. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes filming, competing, all these types of things can actually take away from your experience. You're, if you're riding contests, you might be taking like two, three runs a day. Yeah. Whereas if you grow up and, and you're, you figure out a way to support yourself and make money, and then you prioritize just the act of snowboarding... That ain't a bad way to do it either. No. You know?
2: It's like arguably the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, you get to write <laughs> yeah. a lot more.
2: Yeah. It kind of sounds funny because you're like, oh, yeah, I, I was doing so much and I'm experiencing burnout. People are probably like, oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> you know, like boo-hoo in your life. you know. <laughs> I'm like, I get it. Like, you know, I understand. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So there is that. But I do think like just doing it however you want to do it. Like you don't actually need to be pro. And I think we have all these, like, rules in snowboarding. And to me, I've been thinking about that a lot. I'm like, fuck the rules. Like, whoever you want to enjoy the mountains, like, go do it. I don't care if you're snow skating. I don't care if you're with the the blades. Ski Ski blades? Ski ski blades.
3: Not that great (laughs) (laughs) in (laughs) powder.
2: And, you know, if you want to grab Tindy, fine.
3: Oh, we're green lighting Tindy.
1: Dude, I was looking back at some <laughs> old, old videos. Green light and Tindy over <laughs> he here. He <laughs> There's a lot of Tindy grabbing that people don't mm. talk about. There's
2: well, a lot of Tindy Grabbing. There, yeah. There back is in the
3: day. A very big, vague, unwritten law book of snowboarding that exists. Mm-hmm. And uh Yeah, and Tindy's high on the list high of, a, the of list. a no-go. But Robin's yeah. saying green light.
2: <laughs> I'm saying I don't know if I'm gonna do it. because <laughs> I'm not like style like a Blake Paul Style, you know, like I don't make it look that good. Like, I think if he does, he started pull a d- good Tindy,
1: does he do Tindy's? No, I don't oh, okay. know, but if he
2: did, <laughs> you know, people would know. probably start doing it. <laughs> looks good. I think you could yeah, bring it back.
3: Good, you start going intentionally Tindy, like and you just own it. Yeah, I, I want to see put like it back a few, in rotation.
2: Yeah, I want to see a few of the core lords like whip out some like no grab zone.
3: Mm. Grabs like and make clips. them look dope. What about boot? Yeah. Are we, how are we feeling about grabbing boot?
1: Hey. That's a, kind of a yeah. I no mean, flies tindy, on. I don't like. know what's better, than Tindy <laughs> or boot. <laughs> I was seeing an old vid though, Craig Kelly grabbing Tindy. Yeah,
2: but boot it. isn't actually grabbing your snowboard. Yeah, you're not
1: grabbing your board. You're grabbing huh? your boot. Yeah, it's mm. a good point. It's <laughs> a really good. Point. At least
2: Tindy, you've, you've grabbed. Your snowboard.
1: The thing about tindy is so easy to grab. <laughs> it is, that's it's what right I learned. There. I remember when yeah. I first
3: my first grab, I was yeah. till I learned that was, are that doing was it, my right?
2: go-to. Oh, and you thought it was so dope until <laughs> somebody was like, "What are you doing?" And you're like, "Oh, I no, that, no, okay, no." <laughs> that's why it's
1: not cool. It's too easy. <laughs>
2: yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is like, if you want to grab tindy, you should.
1: Just grab what you're going to grab. <laughs>
2: he's he's I, not Jerry
1: sure. Chris, not sure. he's Chris like, is not like, Chris is not giving the Tindy a hall pass. No.
3: I'm not as open-minded in the Tindy, uh, tindy department, but I can hey, respect your I mantra. If I can <laughs> see someone doing
1: good, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, that looks all right. Yeah, mm. but yeah exactly. Show me that Tindy, I guess. Hey, you got to make it look good. Show me that Tindy. It's a
2: bit of a, a cop-out if you're just doing it to do it, if you don't want to try for the other grabs.
1: Yeah.
3: All right, along the lines of talking about kind of the unwritten rules of what's cool and what's not in snowboarding, like obviously Tindy boot grabs are in this unwritten rule book of things that aren't cool that nobody really like knows. It's just kind of grandfather, dad. I don't know how it all works. It's it's very mythical. But there's also kind of unwritten rules in the acceptable way to do a snowboard career. Like you have to do this, you have to you know compete or you have to film a video part, and if you don't film a video part, your career doesn't matter. What are your thoughts on unconventional ways of being a pro snowboarder as it pertains to no rules?
2: I think that the unconventional ways have been, like, picking up some momentum. And I think it used to be, like, you know, before I even started, kind of when I was just getting into it, it was, like, contests and filming and this and that, you know, Then it kind of went like, okay, well, you can just be in the backcountry if you want to, which was like insane for me. I was like, wait, I can just do this one thing, you know, because I was kind of like jibbing a little bit and park a little bit and then getting a phone call from Amber Stackhouse and her just being like, you know, if you just want to be a backcountry rider, that's fine. I was like, holy shit, like I can just wow. It was like, I could really hone in on what I really wanted to do. And it was a really good opportunity. Um, and I think that that's kind of like that this happened like a lot, you know, you look at somebody like Alex Yoder and he like made a whole career. Like he's a really sick snowboarder, but he was most well known for his amazing turn. You know, the fact that like you don't have to compete or you don't have to even really film that much like and to me he's like an icon you know I'm like Alex Yoder yes like he's amazing and I you don't even have to I think there's also like oh you got to be the best well actually you don't you don't have to be the best (laughs) yeah you can you can go medium (laughs) (laughs) you can totally go medium and that's okay too because like it's relatable you know you can go and I actually love this like resurgence of The shitty part of snowboarding. I I think I was, you know, I I did really want to talk about that because to me that's, like, a really good place to go because it used to be, like, okay, we're going to film a video part and there's going to be sleds and helis and you got to get your heli stuff and then you got to get, like, a little bit of freestyle and then you got to have a little bit of pillows and then, like, a couple of lines. And that's, like, the formula, you know, at least for me that was my formula. But I think times are just, like, changing and um, I've really appreciated seeing a lot more resort shredding, you know, and it kind of brings it back. Like, and if you go back and you watch like all these old snowboard videos, I mean, that's all they were doing. I mean, there was this like incredible heli moment where there was like, you know, no budgets, just like around Alaska. And that's a whole different time. Um, but there was a lot of like chewed up landings and like, you know, in like everything, it was like imperfect. It was like a bit shitty, you know, and I keep saying shitty, but I mean like shitty in a good way. Like I love that, you know, still morning's a little bit shitty. Um, kind of just like alternative culture is what I'm kind of getting at. And then not having it be so polished, you know, like all these, like for a long time, it was all about like the perfect landing and like that beautiful shot. And like, here we are in this helicopter and here we are, you know, it's like, really? Like, that's not, it's not real. And we shouldn't really, well, not that we should, I shouldn't say we shouldn't be doing that anymore. It's like, I don't want to do that as much anymore. You know, like I kind of like more recently seeing like, you know, saying like, foyer or um, – what else did I watch the other day? But anyway, it was, like – there was, like, tons, like, a chew, super chewed-up landing and, like, it wasn't perfect and it was just kind of, like – it was great. And, like, last year I was in Nelson and kind of, like, we went off the resort and, like, found some, like, hit. And I was, like, this is awesome. Like, why are we so, like, you need a sled and you need to do this? It's, like, there's so many ways that you can access the backcountry and do what we need to do without, like – having this, like, perfect, pristine snowboard view. You know, it's, like, so polished. So I, I'm really loving the, like, unpolished um, part of snowboarding that's, like, kind of back. And I think it always existed in street, but in backcountry, it, it kind of left for a while, and now it's, like, making its way back. So I'm loving that.
1: Um, I think the good thing you said was relatable. Yeah. And brands, they don't really... Care and l- as long as you're selling product. And if you're doing well, you're going to be a pro and you're going to get paid and you're going to keep getting paid if you're that guy that's selling selling yeah. the product. So that's good stuff.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, like, kind of going back, I kind of digressed from that question pretty far. But, um, yeah, I you can – there's so many different facets in snowboarding. You know, it used to be like, oh, do everything. And now it's like, oh, you could be this. You could be that. You could be just doing street. You could be just doing contests. You could be, like, just doing turns. You know, there's like something for everybody and you can really like focus in on one of those and just like make it your own or like, Mm -hmm. you know, the Scott Stevens, like the mini shred, like that's like his thing. And like, he's the, he's the mini shred God, you know, (laughs) like that's, that's really cool. And then there's like, you know, say like the Travis, who's like, you know, he's the big mountain, like the guy, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And it's, it's just kind of cool to see different people doing different things and, making money doing it mm-hmm. yeah
3: it's really cool and I and kind of to add to that in some ways too it's I get a little frustrated too I, I probably sound like I'm repeating myself on the show but every little uh, fragmented section the mini shredders and the backcountry interior people and the contest people they all kind of hate on the other little genres but it, it's like it's all good they're they're actually complimenting your snowboarding like by by this person mini shredding it's making the giant cheese wedge Sick and like they 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 it's like a great ecosystem. I wish we could view it as like we kind of need all these little nuggets of ecosystems to kind of survive and have something for everybody.
2: Yeah, I think you're like nailing it. I feel like there's a lot of like, oh yeah, I don't like the way they do that, or like oh this is, they're not even doing you know like a proper jump. The cheese has, cheese wedge isn't big enough or doesn't have enough blocks or <laughs> whatever. <Yeah. laughs> you know, and you're like, well. Who cares? In my day. <laughs> yeah, totally. In my Sometimes day. Sometimes they get out. jealous
1: because they had to go huge and someone's going small and making a lot of money. They're like, wait a minute. Probably yeah, but it
2: me. looks good. Yeah. Like, And, I, like, this is funny because I have this conversation with Austin all the time and not to, like, bring him into the conversation, but, you know, like, he's always like, oh, I want to do, like, uh, this 1080. Like, last year, I was like, I really want to do this 1080. You really want to do this 1080. And I was like, why? You look so good doing a front side three. Like, and just, like, pillow popping. Or just, you know, like, he makes the the mountain look like a playground. You know, and to me, that's what I want to see. Like, I want to see people, like, just having fun on the mountain. And, like, it just looks good. Like, when I see him do a 1080, I'm like, honestly, I love that back five you did. <laughs> you know, and I, I loved that contest they used to do where it was, like, it was, like, the three five seven contest at COP. I don't know. If, I think it was pretty unknown. So... First time here. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
1: first time. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great, though.
2: Well, they used to have this contest because now you like, you know, watching the Olympics and watching, you know, the progression in competitive snowboarding, which is insane. And it's hard. And maybe I'm just, you know, old head, as they say. But I can't follow what the guys are doing. I'm like, I don't know what that was. And I, yeah, that was like too fast. I'm like, how many spins was that? I'm like was a switch, was it really? Like I'm just lost, you know. But I love it when somebody can do like a super like super styly like back seven or uh back three or like you know, they do like a crippler or something. I'm just like to me I'd way rather see somebody do that with style than do like an extra five spins on the end, you know. So um uh, yeah, I don't an, an
0: extra five. Couldn't agree
3: more. Well let let's uh change gears back to when you first started filming, because I'd like to hear about how you got into got into the game film and video parts.
2: Oh yeah. Well, um I do have to thing for that. Yeah. Big shout out to her and uh runway films. So Jeff Keenan also. Yeah. Um yeah, I I actually had to I was um, obviously snowboarding in Calgary and kind of like in the scene and I had been to Super Park before and I kind of had my intro at that point. I met um, kind of everybody there. Susie Floros was working for the MAG and mm-hmm. and uh, Pat Bridges. I had Jeff Patterson who was the park builder and I had been riding Lake Louise, living in my van for that year that I lived in my van. <laughs> so I was living at Lake Louise and... Superpark came to Lake Louise. So, and Jeff Patterson um, was the park builder at the time. And it was the best park that Lake Louise ever had. Like, it was world class. Like, the jumps were perfect. Everything was perfect. Um, this is
1: a bit ago, too, right? Oh, yeah. I think I it was like
2: don't... Super Park 9. Yeah.
1: Like the big bomb drop, maybe.
3: Big bomb yeah. drop off of something. Yeah. That's the H- one with the, the, the scaffolding cover. or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah.
2: You know who that was? That was Don Pelosi. Mm. Uh, not the bomb drop, but I think he did like a backside one on that huge hip. And it was a cover. It was the cover of the that Super Park issue.
1: Park was insane with the coolest backdrops. It too, was and, so
2: sick. Yeah. yeah, and I think they did two there. I think they did nine and ten, or it was a ten and eleven.
1: Two in a row, huh? Yeah,
2: two in a row. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I met um, Pat, and then I went. Uh, Susie was checking me in, and she's like, "Oh, you know, we're doing this thing called Miss Super Park," and I was just like, honestly, I couldn't believe I was there and like seeing all of these like pros who I was just like such a fan, <laughs> you know. So, uh, just being there was really cool. Um, then I went to Miss Superpark, and I kind of got to meet all the women, which was really awesome because I was a big fan of, you know, Mischief and As If and like seeing all those women like in the video. And then I was with them at uh, Miss Superpark, and it was just a totally surreal time for me. I was like, oh my God, I'm here. I made it. <laughs> That's all I wanted. I can die now. Um, and then uh, so I, I met a few of the, women there and then I think the next year Leanne started Runway and this is like kind of a chance scenario. Leanne and I had like met a couple times. Um, she was doing this thing called MGD Snowboard Camp um, and a lot of the women pros were like um, coaching at it and so I met her there and then and I always kind of like heard about her but I didn't know her that well. Um Again just a fan at the time and then um, so we had snowboarded together a couple times and then she was doing runway and, um, I guess there was a trip with Tara Dakitis and Jan, I think it was Jana Mayan or Amphor Mark, Marksart, one of the two and Leanne to Golden and Golden was kind of where I was like, it's an hour from Lake Louise and that's kind of where I was like basing out of that winter and like driving back to Calgary and working at my like bar job of serving tables and bartending. Um, kind of like through college and um, she called me and was like, yeah, um, Jana, Jana, I'm like bailed on this trip. Do you think you could come? And I, I was like on the phone and I was like trying to play it cool. Like, oh my God, okay, like just paused for a second. I was like, oh my God. Okay. I was like, yeah, I can totally come. You know, like didn't even think about it. And then um, she was like, okay, well, we're, we're coming in like three days. And I was like, whoa, like this is huge, you know? I could not believe it. I was like, one, I'm going to meet Tara DeKitas and Christy Chaloux, who I was like, again, such a fan. I was just mm-hmm. like a fangirl. Um, and then I was going to be able to go snowboarding and possibly film. Like, <laughs> it just seemed like crazy. Anyway, I called my job and I was basically like, I'm not coming in. And they were like, if you don't come in, you don't have a job. And I was like, cool. And I just was like, that's it. Like, this is this is it. This is like the turning point for me like if this is what I really want you kind of have to take those like big opportunities and it felt like one of those ones where you're like this is it and that was um the my first published photo in trans world it was in an article called golden girls and I yeah went and filmed with uh Leanne and Tara for two weeks and then I had such I I ended up just kind of hitting it off with both of them Leanne went on another filming trip and Tara just invited me to Come in her RV with her dog buddy and go film in Whistler. And like, (laughs) unreal. Like, and I could not believe my life. I was like, oh my God, this is not happening. Like, imagine going from like a nobody to like being in the passenger seat of Terry DeKeys' RV and just like shooting the shit with somebody you've looked up to for your entire career. You're just like, oh my God. Like, (laughs) and so uh, we were in Whistler, I went filming a little bit. Uh, with them. But um, yeah, it was just like a really cool experience. And I think I had like a shot or two in the credits. Or maybe it was like the friend section. But to me, I didn't really care. I was just like happy to be a part of it. You know, I was just like over the moon to have like any sort of presence to have my name next to all these amazing snowboarders. And um, the next year, I got invited back to film and I was that was kind of like, that was it.
1: And you were sleeping and living in the RV with her and a dog. Yeah, That's for, awesome. I guess
2: in in Golden, I, I was at my own place and had my own van. Just when
1: you <laughs> went to the to the West.
2: Yeah, yeah, we went to Whistler. I just we camped at the uh, Riverside campground, and she took me out sledding, and they were like so patient with me because I was just like chucking. You know, Just I was giving like,
1: it everything you got, Oh, yeah,
0: huh? oh, yeah
2: fully. <laughs> I was like, this is my moment. I got to send it. Like, just this is, like, go for it, you know? And I was just, <laughs> but um, in my own defense, I wasn't, like, chucking, but I was definitely, like, trying to go bigger than I had, mm. like, had before and, like, really, like, focusing on, like, okay, get the grab then land on your feet. You know, there weren't a lot of lands, but they were so supportive. It was, like, incredible to have that. I never had that before. I never had like this group of women just be like, oh my God, sick, go back up and try it again. I was like, what? This hasn't been my experience. It's been like, yeah, we don't really want you to make, like, a hole in the jump, so... <laughs> Let's
0: you pull you do.
1: off this jump here for a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
2: Do you mind if we go, like, ten times
1: first? <laughs> and then you can go.
2: <laughs> you're like, yeah, no, totally cool, totally the cool. Like, you guys hot go. hot tubs
1: out there, and then you get your time to shine.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then you're just, like, trying to land in, like, a fully bomb-holed landing. And, and, and that
1: does happen to people, too. That's That's a sad thing. These Lapping are real experiences. it's, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> yeah. experiences that happen. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's kind of like that, that like breaking onto the scene moment. Yeah. Uh,
3: love that. Couple things. First of all, uh, I think talking about the learning curve of getting the backcountry is important, maybe. Yeah. How was that? I mean, you kind of just described it.
2: Well, it didn't exactly like, yeah, I did describe it there, but like <laughs> it didn't necessarily end there. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You were like, oh I got yeah. this all figured out. Oh
2: yeah. No, definitely <laughs> not. Um and there's other things like trying to figure out sledding. Like sledding was hard. And especially now, like the sleds are really good. You can pretty much like hit the gas and just be like brap, like up anything, you know. But like back then it was like the bu- the bumblebee, you know, like The 600. bumblebee.
3: The yeah. boat. <laughs> the boat. Yeah.
2: The boat, I had a 600, and it was, like, a hand-me-down from, like, an ex-boyfriend, and, you know, I was just trying, like, every day, like, oh, please don't break down, please don't break down, I just gotta get to the zone, you know. You but, gotta
1: fully jump over to the side yeah. to get her to turn around.
2: It's hard, when you don't know how to do it, you're like, oh my god, but, um, yeah, the learning curve, it's hard, it takes, it takes time, for sure. It's all about, like, tries, and I, I actually uh, got the nickname Robahawk one year. Rob-a-hawk. hawk because I was just tomahawking all season. I was just trying and trying and trying, and, like, there were some lands. That was, like, not a terrible year for me, actually.
1: <laughs> your head <laughs> Which... was touching the snow more than your board.
2: <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I even, like, I ended my season with the most epic tomahawk, but it was after I landed, like, this this cliff I wanted to do. It was, like, pretty big, you know, and I was like, all right, I think I could do it. It was, like, the biggest cliff I ever hit, like, in that year. And then... I rode away from it, but I was so afraid of like falling on the ride out that I just went straight and like gaining speed, and then just like this catastrophic uh, tomahawk at the very end, and I like <laughs> sprained my ankle, and that was it. No, <laughs> it was like, but that was at the end of the season, and I did. I got some good ones that year. You so, went out on top. Yeah, <laughs> top for sure. It was a good year, but yeah, it's it's a lot of falling, but like, isn't that kind of fun? Like, failing is so good. You know, like, it's good to fail. Because, like, when you start to actually get it, it feels so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing like it.
1: Who uh, dubbed the name Robohuck?
2: <sighs> I want to say my friend Amanda, Amanda Marant.
1: Friends, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's
1: a good friend. Yeah. A <laughs> good friend coming up with that name.
2: Yeah, I think it was a yeah, combination of Amanda, Leanne, and I think Anna was there, too, that season. But I'm, I was mainly riding with Leanne, mm-hmm. I think, that year.
3: Did you ever have experience in riding backcountry? I feel like the early days are—you're kind of like, uh, "Wow, I landed! I can't believe it!" <laughs> oh yeah. And then as you, as you get a little bit more yeah. into it, you're like, kind of expect to land. Do yeah. you, you feel that <laughs> transition? Has-
2: um. Yeah. I. I guess I never really thought about it, but I, I. That brings to mind this like clip that I got. It was like. Um, I was snowboarding with Hana. We were filming, uh, in Silverton and we hit like this jump on red mountain pass and I did a back seven and I landed like perfect and just rode away. And I had never landed one before, <laughs> like outside of the park. And even then it was like pretty uncommon for me to actually get it around and like ride away clean. And the look on my face was just pure shock. My mouth was open. I was like, like, I couldn't believe it. And then I had to, like, review the clip to be like, was that actually what I did? Like, I'm <laughs> I'm not really sure. And then, like, you know, I was just so shocked. Like, I couldn't. It was an accident.
3: <laughs> That's so good.
2: Yeah, <laughs> accidental. And I, I do feel like at some point I was like, all right, yep, yeah, I'm going to do this, like, front three. It's going to be first D. And then, you know, when you don't get it, you're like, oh, but, but you just keep trying. Keep trying.
3: Well, you mentioned Hana. We have a guest question. Uh-huh from none other than Hana Beeman. Here we go.
2: Hey Chris, hey Robin, this is Hana. I have a question for Robin. I am wondering if she could tell us about any crazy travel stories, whether that's flying or crossing the border or anywhere she's been in this crazy big world. I know she's got some, some fun stories she can tell us. Thanks, hope you guys have a great time. Bye. Hannah. Such an amazing human. Also, so much love and support from Hana. Yeah. Uh, big fan. Um, me too.
1: Yeah. Us too. She didn't say hi to me. So I was going to say. I, uh, <laughs> she said Chris I and thought, Robin. I thought we were tight, but yeah. I'm over here kind of no stony, like, all right, Hana? I kind
3: of did catch that. I think Hanna? we're going I I to need to a revisit. upset. Mm, yeah.
1: We're
2: I mean, going to have to revisit that.
3: Maybe like a disgruntled phone call at like 2 in the morning like at the bar. Yeah. You know, that'd be a good time to yeah.
1: handle that. That's and probably when I will do it. <laughs>
2: use the phone a friend uh, option.
1: I'm definitely offended, Hannah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the question?
1: It was I don't wild think it matters tra- actually. Travel stories. She travel. didn't say hi.
2: I know why she's asking this <laughs> because <laughs> I was at her house the other night burning pizza and we had like stories about like losing your passport and I recently had a hilarious like passport losing um, thing on my very first Arctic trip, <laughs> but uh, we were talking about this other time where I <laughs> it's, just, its always like that. I'm late for a flight. I'm actually in the wrong place, and then I dropped my passport down the elevator shaft <laughs> on but, international. Yeah, yeah. In at LAX. Oof. I mean, there's so many good travel <laughs> just stories. So random. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, there it goes. Probably not yep. gonna get that back. Oh good. no! It's
2: literally that moment where you. So I go to the. TSA, and this may be not be my best travel story, but this is the one that I told her. Is I went, I was already late for my flight, and I like went to the TSA and I was like, okay, here's my passport. And she's like, oh yeah, I'm taking her time. Tippy tappy. I'll just boop, look that up, slow as fast. I get it. Um, meanwhile, I'm trying to go as fast as possible <laughs> to get to my flight. And she's like, oh, it looks like you're in the wrong terminal. And I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> like I gotta go. She's like, yeah, you're going to need to run, I think. And I was like, okay. And then she's like, you got to like cross through the parkade. And then like it'll be pretty easy to navigate. You got to get to this gate. You got to go through security. And you'll make your flight if you like hustle. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like, thank you so much. And she's like, just take the elevator down and then like go across the parkade. And I was like, okay, great. So I get in the elevator and I'm like kind of frazzled or disheveled. Um, and <laughs> I'm like fumbling and I get in the elevator and I like turn around the doors closing and I just like, for some reason, like the, my passport, I went to grab it and I dropped it and you watch it in slow mo dropping and just like hit that tiny little crack <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like watching it fall. And I'm like, <laughs> that's like out of a, a movie. How does that it happen? Just perfectly goes in the mail slot. Like, you know, and I'm like, just standing there in shock, like, (laughs) what? Like, no, like, how the hell am I gonna get this back? And so I stopped the door. And I'm like, okay, like, what's my course of actions? I go back to the TSA. And I'm like, um, yeah, so I just dropped my passport down the elevator shaft. And the lady is just like, shaking her head at me like you know I've I've already been traveling on like two other flights it was like some international and I'm just trying to get home you know and I'm like so tired and she's like okay so she gets on the like um announcement oh yeah can we get um like security or not security but like the the maintenance department and and down to the and she's like yeah you're you're probably not gonna make your flight and I was like all right we'll see about that You know, just, like, it sounds like a challenge. (laughs) Um, We'll see how long this takes. And so this, it was actually pretty simple. This guy came, took me to the bottom, and then he, (laughs) this is actually the best part, is he, like, I guess he's used to people dropping other things, and we get to the bottom, and he turns this key, and the elevator just, like, comes up, and you get to see what's underneath, and there's just, like, most random shit, like, so much food, and, like, jewelry. I'm like, oh, they just—they don't do this regularly, but like they could, you know. <laughs> like, there's just so much like valuable stuff down there. I think there was like a flip phone. I was like, and there's my Been there passport. For years. Yeah, totally. Just like mold on it, and there's my passport just sitting like ah oh, right there, and <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's mine. And I go to grab it, and he's like, oh, not so fast. And I'm like, oh, um, okay. And he's like, I need to see your ID. And I'm like, Is this guy for real? It's my passport. Like, my picture is in it. You're like, like that, is, that is my ID. It's my ID. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, like, telling him that. I'm like, well, that is my ID. He's like, well, I just need to know for sure. And I'm like, the, my picture is in it. And so I'm like, okay, just, like, forget about it. I'm like, this guy obviously is used to doing that for, like, other things. So I grab my driver's license, and I'm like, it's me. <laughs> and at this point, I've been, like, I've had to, like, pee this whole time. Like it's and it's you know, getting down to the wire and I like, no, I gotta catch this flight and I'm like Oh, it's gonna be really bad. Like I need to I need to find the relief station pretty quick. (laughs) So I finally get the passport and I'm like, All right and I just like you know, flip around and start sprinting. But you know what happens when you're like sprinting and you like really gotta go to the bathroom. And I don't know why I was so determined to make this flight. And I got to the middle of the parkade, and I was like, it's happening. No. Right (laughs) now. Right now. And I just, like, dropped trow in the middle of the parkade. And there was, like, people around. But, like, I think I just decided to be so casual about it to, like, not draw attention. You know? And I was, like, humiliated. In the U.S., we
1: don't really use parkade. Is that a parking lot? Like a parking garage? Parking garage. Parking garage. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. yeah. <laughs> language barrier um,
1: <laughs> so you just <laughs> bit of go language. for it yep. Yeah. pants down
2: so I just go and I'm just sitting there. and I'm like at this point just howling I'm laughing so hard because <laughs> I'm like this couldn't have been more like of a wild like scenario and I'm like, I'm definitely not making that flight, but I'm gonna try it. And so I go, I go through security. I'm like sweating buckets, like <laughs> full drips. And then I get, <laughs> I get to the gate, and they had held the plane for me.
1: Wow, no way. and the whole never happens. And they
2: clapped. I got on the plane, and everybody was like, <laughs> "Yay!" After going through all that. <laughs> yeah, and I sat in my seat, and I just like. I remember, and the lady beside me was like, oh, yeah, no, we've been waiting for a while.
1: And, like, <laughs> and you're like, if only so you sorry. knew <laughs> no. what I have been through. Yeah,
2: I was like, I just peed in a park and, <laughs> and lost my passport all in about <laughs> like an half elevator. An hour. <laughs> yeah, but I did make it home and I was like quite proud of my like effort in getting to the finish line.
1: You That's know? incredible that they waited for you. I know. All of it. There's like so much incredible stuff in that story. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful.
2: But a humiliating moment for sure. <laughs>
1: That is a great travel story.
3: Travel pro tips all across the board there. Urinate the parking <laughs> garage, drop the passport.
1: <laughs> I just can't believe the, the passport went through that little ass. Yes. <laughs> perfect. It's it like, it's,
2: fu- it's hilarious like, thinking about it. You yeah. know, there was like so many. It's like a comedy show. I was yeah. like, this is, this is a comedy skit. That's the <laughs> yeah. shit they write for movies. <laughs> totally. You
1: just lived it.
3: All right. So we were just talking about those first video parts. And then eventually you got up to filming for Full Moon, what what's in between that section of like your first parts to f- Full Moon?
2: Uh, yeah, first parts were um, with Runway and then um, I filmed with, actually, I I tried to film for Standard. <laughs> they actually gave me the opportunity to film, but I I think it was that Robahawk here and there weren't, the, I mean, I had some clips, but there weren't enough and I, I did get the like, sorry, you didn't make the film and I was like, it's cool. It's cool. I like didn't care. You know? I was like, I totally get it. And, uh, then I, so I didn't, I didn't film for Standard that year, um, but I released my own video part with, like, Roxy, and then, um, I filmed with Peep Show. um, and I kind of linked up with Hana around the same time, um, and we did PS webisodes together for, um, xgames.com, um, and there was another site we worked with, but those were, like, honestly, some of the funnest years of snowboarding, like, I don't know what it was. Like, we didn't really know each other at all. And Amber, my team manager at the time, was like, hey, I think you should, like, go link up with Hana. And I was like, oh, like, I don't know her at all. And, like, she goes huge. And, like, I don't know. I'm kind of intimidated. She's like, no, I think you guys have, like, similar style. And I think you, like, get along. And instantly it was just, like, hilarious banter ongoing. Like, I was just – it was so much fun to hang out with her. And it was just like having an instant best friend. And we filmed together. Like, we were such a good duo, you know, because she would really, like, push me to, like, hit bigger jumps and, like, try different tricks. And um, I think I was stronger at the time at, like, line writing from, like, those years I spent in Argentina doing that. And um, so we kind of had something to share. Like, she kind of would, you know, I would, like, you know, we'd do, like, line riding, coaching, and she'd be, like, you know, okay, cool, like, <laughs> this is how you're going to hit this jump. And I would always let her go first, mostly because I was just fucking terrified. Mm-hmm. You know, the jumps were, like, big. You know, Hannah's, like, she goes big. And that's kind of how I, like, learned how to do that. So, and she she was so, like, confident in the way she was snowboarding. And she had so much, like um, like, wisdom and knowledge in being a professional snowboarder and that was something I, I didn't really have because I felt like I was kind of like late to the game a little bit. And um, we just traveled around, had the time of our lives. I filmed like, you know, we both had like really, vo- really good, like snowboard rapport. And we both got lots of clips and it was awesome. It was the first part that I was actually really proud of. Um. So, yeah, I have fun and thank for that.
1: Stay- snowboard rapport, I like that.
3: Yeah, great mentor on and off the board mm-hmm. for sure.
1: Uh, buds. All right, we are going to take a moment and listen to one of our sponsors talk about fits. And during the break, Chris is going to uh, get up. He said he had to take a fit.
3: What up, Bombhole? I'm a stop and today. I'm talking fit. So I've been rocking the VS Stretch three-layer Gore-Tex jacket and the AT Stretch Gore-Tex pants. The jacket's super waterproof, super breathable and just baggy enough. It's got these ventilations in the armpits so that you, if you're hiking uphill you'd never really get hot. It's also got this sick uh, graphic in the back of a mountain. As for my pants, they're baggy which I love so you can move around. They're really breathable and they've got this cuff around the bottom that means they always stay on your ankles and it never really rides up even if you're postholing through super deep snow. My jacket and my pants both have zip tech so I'm... Always zipped up, and I never get snow on my back anyways. Let's go! All right, so after filming with Hannah, where did you take it from there?
2: So um, I think, like, a lot of the girls or women who were riding the backcountry at the time had been, like, in Absinthe, in Standard, and, you know, doing, like, all sorts of different projects. And really, it felt like a really good time to all come together and uh, Leanne kind of spearheaded that, had like us all over and was like, hey, do you think we should do something together? And it was almost like this moment where we were all so sick of like fighting for a spot and really like not wanting to be a token, you know, and really just like, how do how do we want our this season to go? How do we want to show up? And um, it was it was a very interesting it was like perfect timing because I think. A few of us had had, like, you know, hard hard nose and not made videos and felt like they were, like, the only woman, and it was, like, such a scratch. You know, we were, like, scratching to be that, like, token female. Um, And really, why couldn't we just come together and do it ourselves? And that's what we did. And it was, like, such a – like like I said, great timing – everybody was like really ready. And <laughs> so we did, we all came together, Leanne at the helm. Um, we all like trusted her with this project, which she actually like knocked out of the park. It was so amazing. Um, and we started filming and then it was like 2015, which was the worst season I've ever had. Like not for me personally, like weather wise, there was no snow, like nothing, you know, and I think we had like a couple of small trips, but like at the end of the year, we were like, it's going to have to be two year <laughs> really like we can't go out like this. We can't come together. Finally, like Annie, Marie France, Helen, Hannah, Jamie, like the crew was so good and um, we, we couldn't like accept that. We were like, no not happening. So we we added on another year and um yeah, that that to me also like backed up with those two years with Hana. That was like the most fun snowboarding. Like having this crew that was like all females and I know it sounds like we really don't need that, but like honestly it was just fun and funny. Like there was no pressure. It was like you didn't feel like you needed to impress anybody so you could make the movie. You didn't feel like you needed to avoid making bomb holes, (laughs) you know, like you could be the first one to hit the jump. You could like lead the crew on any given day. You know, you could be like, Hey, I heard it's good in this zone and you're the one making the calls. And that felt really good. You know, it was a, it was a really big confidence booster for us to have decision-making back in our hands. And then like to see how it came out And the whole vibe of the film was just, like, so fun and soulful. And really, that was very true, you know? Like, hanging out with some of your best friends, mentors, icons. Like, it it was just, like, such a special time in snowboarding. And especially that bald face trip where we got to meet all the legends. That was, like, so sick. Like, I will, like, always remember that, that, like, full moon year is, like, one of the best years I ever had snowboarding, like, i just felt like good about myself and like good about the crew and like it was so fun isn't that what it's all about like there was the intimidation factor was low and that was like new and exciting and like really big confidence booster and it shows in your snowboarding when you're like confident and like this is the thing i want to hit and i'm going to be here for a little while and you go and you do that like you you get clips like that
3: Great stuff, Anyway. And you know, really, really, really good stuff. And you, you kind of reap some uh, rewards for that, right? Yeah. At the year you got video part of the year, yeah. How yeah. was that experience too? Like winning that—that that must have been just unbelievable for you. That's a big
0: deal.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, I had never even been nominated before. Um, it was just like a, I was. My mind was blown, and I was so nervous. Like I just couldn't even believe I was there. And then to actually like win the thing, it was, and Leanne got me this little, I still have it because I was just like going through like our dishes the other day. It's like a little flask that says like for emergency use only. And she gave it to me right before. And she's like, just in case. She's like, I, I, I know I know, it might turn out really well for you, but like just in case. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And um, I, I had prepared like a small speech, but that moment to me is like actually ca- kind of weird as well. Because um, I had, like, dreamt about it. <laughs> like, I had pictured myself, you know, when I'm like, like, what do I want for myself? And, like, goal setting, which is, like, a weird thing to think about in snowboarding. But, you know, when you go to bed and you, like, like, oh, I wish I could, like, stand on that stage and, like, have that piece of glass and, like, win that award or whatever it is. And then to see it actually happen, it was just, like, it was overwhelming, to be honest, And I think, like, (laughs) I'm going to take this opportunity um, because I was so, like, floored that I was, like, half crying, half, like, delivering the speech. I was really, I was like, be cool, be cool, be cool. Like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. And I (laughs) completely forgot to, like, thank and acknowledge the other writers who were nominated. And after, I was just like, no! I was like, I can't believe I did that. So um, I just wanted to say to Kimmy, Fasani, I am such a huge fan and I'm like so impressed with everything that you do. And just Kamara, I think it was that year that she um she filmed her own video part outside of the union movie, which was like to me so incredible of a feat and to like see her be nominated. And I forgot to thank them. So I just wanted to say, oh, thank you. This is the second half
1: of your speech right now? Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, Seven years later. (laughs) Seven years.
2: Honestly, it ate me up forever. I was like, I can't believe I never did that. But it was like such a um, cool moment for me. I was Mm -hmm. like, whoa.
3: Do you feel like you kind of sounds like you're kind of trying to claw your way and for lack of a better term, earn a seat at the table? Yeah. Did that feel like some validation where you maybe like, okay, I'm here, I'm supposed to be here.
2: Yeah, it felt like I went from a crazy person to, like, a sane person. I was like, oh, like, this whole time I've had this, like, wild dream. (laughs) Like, it seems wild, you know? And, like, really just, like, looking at pros and being like, I want to be that, and I want to do that, and then to, like, be there and on stage. And I remember seeing, like, Kazu, And like Travis and like all all these people. And I like I said, I was like half crying, (laughs) you know, I was just like overwhelmed. I was like, wow, I'm here. Like I've arrived. I've I've arrived at the end goal. Like this is it. And like it was just really, yeah, validating. I like it was a really uh, impactful moment for me, for sure.
3: Love to hear it. Uh, with all this video part talk Ooh. buds, do you think you know what it's time for? I think it's time
0: oh, for no.
1: name, that video part. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> name that video part
3: Name that video part is presented by our friends over at Mammoth Mountain. They got unbelievably good parks, good park jumps, great rails. They slide well. They're not sticky, super important uh if you just want to rip groomers and do turns like uh alex yoder do that too huh buds
1: yeah you can uh any skill level is going to have a good time there they got something for everybody the park staff some of the best in the world the mountain is huge riding for all types of levels and conditions and types of riding turns big mountain side mountain side hits wall hits we got it all at mammoth A lot of different
3: side and wall hits. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, it's also really good. I noticed about good park jumps. I've mentioned this before. I'm going to say it again. But they make you feel like a good snowboarder. Bad park jumps make you feel like you don't know what the hell you're doing out there. So, uh, Mammoth's incredible place to check out if you're looking to have some fun on your snowboard. So, with that being said, we're going to get into name that video part. Uh, How's your confidence level, 0 through 10?
2: Mm. 0.5. 0.5. Point five. Point
1: 0.5. Okay. Yeah, I'm We've had a couple 0.5s lately. Have we? Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. I don't you like it. We've, yeah. We've had some good times in here, though, so this should be fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. The last couple were real fun, eventful.
3: I think you're going to get this one.
0: I don't know. Here we go. Rock crowd. I ain't going to have you die All on that day, I said rock.
2: Jonathan Moore, Future Proof.
3: Oh. <laughs> it is your movie's right.
2: Okay, it's
3: the first part. in Future proof. You get, future,
1: you get proof future proof. Future oh, <laughs> proof. We're gonna give you half I'm the. Give me a minute the,
2: here. The fact I'm is, thinking. you got the
1: movies huge. I mean, there's a lot of movies. It's out definitely
2: there. future proof. Yeah, that's confirmed. Um,
1: is it Nicholas Mueller?
3: No, but he's in of it. Similar stature is of.
2: It. Oh, do I just? I'll just go through the roster. Is it? Gigi, yes. Oh,
1: you got <laughs> it. You got it. Yeah. Third time's a charm. Yeah, no, you
2: guys really teed that one you up got the for movie, me. Though
1: you got the movie right out, out the gate. Yeah,
2: all Future right. Proof is one of my favorites. You got
1: a wow. a Yeti.
3: I believe they're called carryalls. I think, filled with bomb hole merch in there um, and all kinds of items. I throw a couple extra, extra hats in there if uh, Sweeten or any anybody else needs them. But
2: oh yeah, he loves the swag. Yeah. He loves it. He'll be very jelly.
3: Yeah. Maybe yeah. don't give ma- him yeah, jelly. I also love this You know, he actually yeah. teed up. I asked, I said, I don't, did he tell you? Did, did he tell you Future Proof? Who? I was wondering if you guys did an insider trading.
2: Because um, I asked him. Talk? No, but it's funny because I watched Future Proof literally the other day. Wow. And I was, I was talking to him about that movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm like, you called Austin. Because I was like, oh man, Future Poof, so good. I know, like, the soundtrack is good. Like, I, <laughs> like that whole Jonathan Moore part <laughs> is, like, so sick.
1: And I was like, and that's why that, right, you said Jonathan Moore. <laughs> yeah. And then because
2: proof. I had actually like mentioned it a few times in the past that, like, the part with DCP and Nicholas in Japan, that whole part, and Megan. That is my favorite mm-hmm. snowboard part of all time. Like the music, the artistry, like the way it's composed, it's just like beautiful. Like to me, that was like, again, a, r- a really important time for me. Can I put this down? You can put, put it down. down? Yeah, okay. It great. Down. <laughs> <laughs> can, yeah. can I put this down? <laughs> nope. Is it okay you hold that for the next hour. I also really like this Beavis and Butthead note. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love Beavis and Butthead. Mm-hmm. Um, had had that CD growing up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I I love that snowboard part so much. I really miss Absinthe. Like, a lot. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Well, I went back and was watching it for the name of that video part, and, like, the 16-millimeter footage of Gigi and everybody just bouncing around on all those pillows is just so good. Dude, also, in that part, sorry to derail, it's the, right at that part of the song is where Gigi rides that huge line, and it rips out. And does the
2: giant bomb hole. He
3: overshoots the whole yeah, face.
2: Totally. Like
3: 200 feet or something.
2: Yeah, it's crazy that he was fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the next shot is him like, oh, well. I'm like, are <laughs> you kidding
0: me? Like, how did you
2: walk away from that? <laughs> but, yeah, I, I feel like Absinthe had so many, like, really cool eras. You know, there are, like another favorite era of mine is, like, the the J. Rob. Blair and Manuel in Alaska like I think there was two years where they were like together in Alaska and they were just riding so fast like to me I was like glued to the movie just like how do they how do they do that like I want to do that I want to go as fast as these guys which is like totally not possible but like good to have dreams you know (laughs) (laughs) you know but like just the way that they rode Alaska I don't think I'd ever seen anything like it Mm -hmm. and it was like so rad so yeah
3: Well, we still are in Name That Video Part. So we got part two in Name That Video Part is for the listeners. When this comes out, this episode, uh, on Instagram, there'll be a photo of Robin on our page. And that is where you submit your answer for Name That Video Part. That's where we pick our winner. They get a little prize pack. And this is a legendary video part. Uh, Here we go. okay thank you guys play it. name that video
2: part so uh does it have to be over you want to guess it well I think there's part three of name that video part oh there is what's part yeah. three part three is when you get to play
3: oh okay <laughs> yeah sucker. Okay. So you got a track? Do you guys?
2: I have a track.
1: Yeah, let's go. I have a track.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you put it in the microphone. If you it's use your phone, uh,
1: this is Chris's game. If it's pre nineteen sixty eight, Buds has a first, chance of getting first it. First, you need to ask Chris <laughs> what his confidence level is.
2: Oh, yeah, Chris, what is your confidence level? Damn,
3: it's weird being asked. I never actually have to think about that. Uh, let's go seven.
1: Chris, okay. are you spreading bullets? Uh, how are you feel about whoa, this? Well, is
2: he the only one playing?
1: I, this isn't my game.
2: Whoa, whoa, Imagine I come on the podcast <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this isn't my game. Played, I'm not going to play. I played
1: when, I, when <laughs> I was a guest. I played.
2: Okay, you did. Okay, but okay, I'm okay. down. Did I'll you meet. get it? I
1: can't remember. Yeah, I got it. It <laughs> was like it. Bradshaw or something. I
2: kept it real easy. Okay, here we go. Nothing yet? I got nothing. Okay, I'll give you some more seconds.
0: That's little, all
3: you got. I'm a little embarrassed to say that I don't. I could take a stab.
1: Stab in the dark, huh? Stab
3: away. Dakitis? Yeah.
1: In? He's uh, he just threw out a name. He well, didn't it, know. He no, doesn't no, know. It, he doesn't no, know. It,
3: it like something clicked. I just huh? I don't know it. It sounded like a Daquitas part to me. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay. Don't
1: give many hints.
3: Okay. Yeah, no hints. No hints. Like,
1: <laughs> uh, or maybe give him a small hint. I don't know. What year? Maybe? I don't know.
2: This is kind of fun Let to like squirm, watch him suffer a little bit. Squirm. Yeah.
3: Is it a Mac dog? It is. Yeah, it's, it's not Stand and Deliver. It is. It's Stand and Deliver. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Woo! So I technically got that. I said it's not Stand and that's Deliver, technically... but I really was like kind of testing the water. Yeah. So I got that.
2: Yeah, you did. That's, a, that's win. a win. Yeah, that's a win. What do you I
3: got can, for I him? threw two things out. I threw a Diki and Stand and Deliver.
1: Do you get, get a prize plane? for
2: him? Um, yes, I do have a prize. <laughs> so you you got to get a prize. my respect
3: Ah,
0: it's one of those kind of prizes. It's
2: not a tangible
3: one you can hold. It's a non-tangible prize. Well, you won
2: your own game. Yeah, you won your own game. Kind of a
3: participation award. You won your own game. All right, wow. (laughs) I was sweating. All right, Robin. I want to hear about your first time to Alaska.
2: First time to Alaska was... I couldn't tell you the year, honestly. I think it was one of the years I was filming with... PS, yeah, it was the second year I was filming with PS Webisodes, and we did a little movie called Intervals with Leanne, Han, and myself. But um, I (laughs) actually—it's funny. Do you remember the brand, the Levitation Project? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the the guy, Nico, Nico, Nolan, the guy, the guy. Um, he had called me and was like, "Hey, we really want you to ride for this brand," and I was like, "Oh, cool! Like the team looks rad." You know, it was like kind of stacked and he was like yeah so you know it starts out pretty slow but like we'll build we'll build and I was like oh okay well like what are we talking like you know new partner is it worth it do I want to do it and they seem pretty cool but I don't know um and he's like well we want to send you to Alaska to go snowboarding with DCP and JP Solberg and I was like oh yeah okay that's enough like (laughs) cool I'm in you know so that was like kind of the bait and I was like, "All right, cool. This will be this will be great." And some like um, good friends of mine, like Skylar Holgate and Chris Coulter, they were also on uh, big air, air horn for those dudes. Um, they were also on the levitation project, so I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. You know, I was like, "I'll be a part of that." Seems awesome. And then um, getting closer, he was like, "Oh, actually, we're bringing in Laura Haydar. and I was like, "Oh, awesome!" Like I had known her and filmed with her a little bit beforehand, but, um, I had never been to Alaska. I don't know if she had either. She was filming for Nike. Um, and he said, well, you can bring your own filmer too. And we had Ben Bishop, um, this guy who was filming, <laughs> this guy who was filming, a uh, PS and, um, yeah. So we went up there and, there, there was no DCP or JP Solberg insight. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh okay. But it, it was like, I didn't really care. I just wanted to go ride Alaska. like, uh, And my whole thing was like, you know, watching, doing that kind of riding. You kind of have to start somewhere. And you just got to start doing it. So I was like, you know, it's going to cost me a bit of money. Um, but I'm... I'm good at saving and I like worked at a bar and I had saved a bunch of money and I was like, I got, I got a little bit, you know? And so I kind of was like ready to roll the dice. I was like, if this is the kind of writing that like I truly want to do, you just got to start doing it. Um, so I ended up up there with Laura, little bit of money and we were at um, one of the heliops up there and we sat for two weeks and we didn't go out on like sunny days. And we would go to the the airport and we would just sit on a tarmac and watch people come out of the backcountry and be like, oh, my God, the day was so awesome. You know, and I, we're just sitting there like, "Hmm, OK, and it's like painful, you know, because it's like you can see it. You can see it all right from the heliport, you know, and so and you're just sitting there with your backpack like I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready every day that it was sunny and we just weren't getting out, and there's just always like heli drama. There's like, you know, I think to get like a really, you got to throw down basically, to be able to hang up there and get the heli time that you feel like you need, <laughs> and uh, we just weren't getting that, and so we ended up, um, her and I were like, all right, we gotta we gotta do something. So we actually drove to 33 mile. And to AK Heli, like just the two of us, like no experience whatsoever. And we like went to Sean Dog and we were like, hey man, like we're in town at this other Hellie Op. and we've been here for two weeks, and it's been sunny, and we really need to get out. This is our first time here. Like, this is this is what we got is we like pull our change out on the <laughs> table, and we're like, okay, one, two. <laughs> um, and so uh we kind of just like laid it all out there. And I think he kind of like the great thing about Sean Dog is he's kind of like he's a he's a bro you know like he's a good person and he like is invested in snowboarding and he's been a really big part of snowboard history and I think he like saw the like want and the drive in us and he was just like all right I think we can work something out and so we waited a little longer but then he got us out and it was like our first time in Alaska and of course you think you're gonna get like a bunch of shots I got one (laughs) <laughs> Call. no actually I got two <laughs> I got two um, and like we we weren't like killing it really because it's a whole it's like a different way of riding and it's quite intimidating um, but we just had such a good time and there was a lot of like w- at the time you feel like you failed you're like ah oh, I didn't get that like 10 shots I thought I was going to get because you like you know watch Absinthe and you're like oh yeah that's how you do it you do like this many runs but like it's you know, it's different when you go for the first time. And I think we went with a few expectations, which is like always good to go to Alaska with like lowered expectations. Um, But we did get out and it was awesome. And it was like our first stab at that. And I just fell in love with that style of snowboarding. And I felt like um, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to like really work on line writing and to like, be able to use these like skills that I had acquired through guiding and like apply them. Cause that's really like, that was the whole goal. The whole time was like, let's get enough skills so that you feel like you can go ride that kind of stuff, you know? And so with my like knowledge and skills in my backpack, <laughs> Um <laughs> I'm, like how cheesy that sounds now. Um I, um, yeah, I, I started going and started like linking it together and like, you just got to, Like, like anything, it takes reps, you know, you just got to go and like keep going and like go and fall and like screw it up and get sloughed out and like tomahawk down the mountain and like do all the things. And then, so the next year, um, basically when I left, I had a little bit of travel budget and I put it towards the next year. Um, and, um, I went back and I brought Helen Scatini and Marie France with me. And we were filled. That was the first year of full moon. And I think that was the only one of the only trips that year that was like okay conditions. And it was awesome. Like just going up and like having that first year under your belt. You're like, okay, I know what to expect. I know that I'm gonna have to like pay <laughs> a lot. And um, I might not get as many runs, but it was just like It kind of just came together. Like, of course, you're still not like getting that 10 part, you know, (laughs) section that you you thought you were gonna get. But um, it was every year I went back, it was like better and better. I was like figuring it out, you know, and like knowing where to go, how to deal with uh, guides and pilots, and dealing with heli drama and like, you know, the politics of that. It's actually quite political, which you wouldn't think about, but. It is. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was just great. I, I don't know what else I can say about that, but it's more like uh, every year that I go, um, it got better to a certain point. Um, and then we went back with Full Moon the next year, the whole team, so uh, minus one or two. Um, and that actually is, again, <laughs> one of the, like, most memorable days of my entire career was um, having the whole full moon crew together um, in birthday bowl, um, perfect conditions. We basically had been sitting for quite some time and <laughs> Leanne and I like went in there with our hands on our hips, just like, we got to make this happen. You know and It was like, we kind of like cornered them and we were like, what do we got to do? So like, we have a couple days left. Our whole crew's here, we've invested a lot of time and energy, like, what can we do? And again, it was like that Sean Dog moment where he's like, I think we can work something out, you know? <laughs> and our guide really went to bat for us um, with all the other guides, because you, you're competing against, like, the Absinthe and the ski crews and the MSPs, and, like, there's just, like, a lot of different crews, and they all want to ride the same thing. And in that moment, they just, like, priori- gave us priority, because we had been fairly patient, And we had this, like, just kind of an iconic day. It was just, we basically made the movie, the end of the movie, like, that was when the film was, like, done. We were like, this is it. We did it, you know? And that was, like, Elena's first time to Alaska and Jamie's first time to Alaska. And, I don't know, just, it was really sick. There was, like, I remember hitting this, like, cliff in the middle of Birthday Bowl and, like, every single one of our team was sitting at the bottom, and it was, like, the end of this two-year project, and we just all had, like, completed a line in Alaska, in this bowl, and, like, getting to the bottom, and, like, the energy in that moment was, like, something I will never forget. It was, like, I, it was just so incredible, like, high fives, hugs, it was just, like, Yes, like that moment, you know, everybody's just so stoked for you and, like, so stoked to be there. And it was just, like, a good, like, feeding off each other, having a really, really good time at the same time as, like, really progressing for us um, in the mountains, which was, like, really, really cool. And I've been back a bunch of times, and it's never quite been the same.
1: Mm. Yeah, What's the heli drama, just trying to get up and get your your time and... Yeah. That was the main drama. Well, whenever I was there, I was there with Absinthe, and it just seemed so easy because he's been there so many times. (laughs) Yeah. just like, oh, yeah, we're
2: going. We're going up. Sweet. Justin's got the golden ticket for sure. Yeah, because
1: he was like one of the earlier guys to be there, huh? So he had it all dialed.
2: Yeah. And they knew exactly where they wanted to go always and like when they were going to do it, what the light was doing, and when. Yeah,
1: he was like the first crew there. So he knows the light mm-hmm. and owns Birthday Bowl pretty much.
2: He does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does pretty much. I think we basically got lucky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I forget what I was going there. Something about heli drama. Heli drama. Yeah. I mean, th- there's definitely, there's a lot of crews and there's like the classics, you know, like, and sometimes the heli drama like increases when the wind picks up or like when the sun gets stronger and you start to lose aspects so oh we lost our south facing or like our southeast facing or oh now we got southwest facing like and as when you when the terrain like kind of gets smaller and smaller the drama is like increased you know because everybody's trying to like get that last chance to their video part or whatever it is you know last bit of the movie and so it's like tensions are high you know and there's also like drama within the operations cuz sometimes they don't always work together um nicely <laughs> you know <laughs>
0: we we've,
3: we've talked to a lot of people about Alaska and that was brilliant that was really cool to yeah. hear about the different crews wanting to go to these limited areas uh, i was captivated by that yeah so, everybody wants yeah.
1: to go to the same spot huh so you yeah. got to fight for it
2: yeah but like i also feel like now we like alaska's been on this like crazy pedestal for so long but like Really, there there's terrain that's similar. Not, it's not Alaska, but it's been like this, like holy grail. And we're all like, oh my god, Alaska, but like, there's other places where you can j- get just as rad and like, you know, have similar looking stuff, like in British Columbia. Like to me, I I I don't want to say my like, the the like allure of of Alaska for me, it's not gone, but I do feel like. I want to get creative with it, you know, like, and maybe try some new spots. Like when we did depth at Galena, like some of those faces were like, (laughs) were like Alaska Mm -hmm. and it felt the same. There's some faces in Alaska that are just not the same, you know, and that, that's great. But I also think like we, we hold it like so high up on this pedestal when like you can get rad anywhere. You know, it doesn't, it's not, doesn't have to be a part of your video part. And, like, for me, I, I would like to explore other places, I guess. I'm not hating on Alaska. I freaking love it there so much, and it's been really good to me. <laughs> but I do want to try to, like, go to some other spots where there's not as much drama and there's less people. And it's, like, it's gotten really, really expensive, and to me it's, like, inaccessible. You know, for a lot of people. So um it feels like maybe we could try something else.
1: So the prices have gone up, huh? Like in- inflation's real in the hell game.
2: Insane. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I, I like I said, I feel like there's other places. And even in Whistler, like if you go deep in Whistler, there's like beautiful mountains back there that you can you Some
1: know I like three hours I, like the yeah. coop. Four hours. I like the chicken coop.
3: I like the chicken coop personally chicken
2: coop
3: <laughs> yeah. where the roosters go play <laughs> mikey That's Mikey's the zone zone.
1: that you went to with them.
3: <laughs> it's like the name really yeah. all right we you mentioned depth perception let's uh let's get into a guest question about that from sweeten
1: oh wow.
3: your partner here we go
1: good morning bomb hole a long time listener first time caller and i have a guest question for your very special guest robin robin it's austin your biggest fan and i just want to ask you about depth perception What was it like filming with Travis, Brian and I? What was your process? Were there any challenges that you had to overcome? Um, I know I got to witness some of the greatest writing that I've ever seen during that whole process for filming for that movie. And you have a really inspiring story about how you ended up on some of the gnarliest lines with Travis and kind of were the MVP of the film. Um, That's my question. Can't wait to hear the episode. Huge fan. Love what you guys are doing. All right. Bye. <laughs> he
2: is definitely my biggest fan. It's
1: <laughs> yeah. really nice to have someone yeah. like that in your corner.
2: Totally. Um, yeah. MVP of the film is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. That experience. Thank you, Austin, for asking a question. And I love you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just went full cheese on you. You're yeah, right on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so that experience for me was uh, really cool in a, a couple different ways. But I think the biggest one was is learning to ride like myself instead of trying to be something else. And that was a, another, like, you know, turning point for me in my snowboarding. <clears throat> because I think when you grow up, like, idolizing people and, like, I want to ride like that person. I want to ride like that person. And and you, like, keep doing that. Um, You kind of forget to, like, that you need to be yourself also and ride like yourself because that's what, I guess, people are looking for in you, right? Because maybe they like what you do. Um, Anyway, when we started on that movie, uh, I struggled quite a bit at first because I was really intimidated. Like, I really didn't know Travis that well and like he just came off, you know, like the Art of Flight and that's it, that's all. And like he was like this huge personality and like I guess I had a bit of imposter syndrome. Like I didn't really feel like I deserved to be there or like should have been there. Um and it was right after Full Moon. So I, you know, I guess I had, like, that year was great for me, and it was, like, a really, like, natural step to, like, go back and film with some guys, because I really hadn't done that very much. And it was kind of, like, my first stab at, like, that tier of snowboarding. Um, And when I first went, I was, like, all right, like, watching Travis go and hit stuff, and, like, watching Brian and Austin, and I was trying to rise to their level, which, like, I was not prepared for because that level is just like it's on another planet (laughs) you know like (laughs) we can all agree that some there's some like alienness there and I was basically trying to go to outer space and I was I wasn't getting shots yeah and it was like imagine finally having that opportunity to like be that female in a Travis Rice movie and like I think there was a bit of pressure there as just like a woman, you know? And I felt like I was like, okay, I really need to like do the best I can do. I need to like rise to that level. I need to show like that you can, that women can do it too, you know? Um, But um, after falling a lot, I was in like a really kind of a spiral, like a (laughs) pretty heavy spiral. And Austin actually kind of saved the day on that one because he sat me down and we had, like, just started dating, too. Um, but I think that's, like, it was a really good moment for us as well because he really could, like, shoot me straight and be like, you know, people don't watch you to watch you be like Travis. They watch you to watch, like, Robin Van Jean ride. Like, you realize that, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah, but, like, I, I feel like I need to, like, go bigger. And he's just like, no, I think you need to, like, ride like you not ride like Travis, like, or ride like me or ride like Brian. Like you need to like go back and like refocus and like, you know, recognize that people want to see you ride the way that you do it. And I was kind of, it was weird. It was just like a, Oh, like aha moment. And from that moment on, it was like a totally different experience. I like went out and like started, it was almost like a refocus, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to, like, do something easy and, like, make it look good. Like, don't like if, if they're riding this, like, crazy line, like, maybe ride something smaller over here. Like, don't step to that. Like, go ride something over here. So I, like, went over there and would, like, do that. And then um, that started to, like, hit you know, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm finally landing. I'm building confidence, which is like a big one. I was like really feeling not confident and like, I shouldn't be there. I shouldn't be representing any, anybody, anything like, so in that moment when I started to like, okay, just like go back to the drawing board, start going small and like make it look good. And then like, it kind of like built through the, through the sessions, you know, like every time we go out, I do like something a bit bigger and like, you know, what are my strengths? What am I good at? And like, maybe don't try and be the most freestyly because you're not going to do a 1080 on this jump. You're not even going to hit this jump. You know, and that was, like, really great because I actually got to, like, learn a little bit about myself. Like, what what was I good at? And what did I feel confident on? And everybody on the crew was really supportive. Um, I didn't think it was going to be like that. I thought it was going to be, like, me tagging along. And it wasn't that. And I, like very clearly remember, like, Travis being like, hey, let's you and I go out and go, like, scope lines. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like you sure? <laughs> you know, and, like, went out, and he was like, yeah, like, what looks good to you? And I was like, "Uh, this face right here. You know, I, I think this will be like a, and he's like, yeah, I agree, this will be great. So, like, bring the crew out. But he really gave me a voice to, like, again, with that decision-making power, mm-hmm. and, like, when you have that And you like are like, okay yeah, this seems like something I can do. And then you're on top of it and you're like, okay yeah, I can definitely do this. And you're riding with confidence instead of riding with intimidation or being scared. You know, the confidence was everything. And I feel like that was the game changer is really not going out and trying to snowboard like the other crew members, but really um, snowboarding like myself and having that decision-making power to choose things that I wanted to ride. And then in the end, you know, on that very last, not the very last day, but close to the end, we ended up on this like super fluted complex face. And I remember staring at it and being like, yep, I can ride that, you know? And half of the crew, like, uh, Austin and Brian were like, no, we're not going to do it. And because there was a lot of avalanches coming down, it was warming up for sure, but it was pretty early in the morning. And I felt like all of those like skills I had acquired through guiding were like being used. You know, I was was, like looking at the conditions and like I did my research that morning, you know, and we were working with guides and, you know, they had said like, oh, we're good, you guys can go. And in that moment, like, I think the old me would have been like, oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't go too. But I was like, no, I, I feel like, like the, the hairs are saying like, go, <laughs> you know, like the hairs, the hairs <laughs> in the back of your neck or uh, the ones on your head. I don't know. Uh, they kind of were just like, yeah, this is like, it's going to, it's good. Like, and then I talked through it with the guide and Travis and we, we like sp- spoke about the problems and what to look out for. And it was great. It was like a really important. Like cool moment where all of that like training I had done at Baldface and in Argentina, it just like it helped me so much to just be able to like understand the problem, understand like what like the guides and what their concerns were, and to just be able to manage it on like a really collaborative level. It was like I, the very few moments that that has happened, and it was one of them. And I ended up like riding. It's called Jazz Flutes. Um, yeah, and some of the like longest like r- runs I've done in British Columbia, they were like, Alaska style and definitely made uh, my presence in that film that much better. And it was just a really cool moment. And I know that's when Travis does that like crazy natty backflip, which was really funny because I think a lot of people thought that was me. <laughs> and after the movie came out, people were like, oh, my God, that natty backflip. And I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you <didn't laughs> specifically say it wasn't you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yep. Because yes. it was kind of the neat. one. <laughs> it
2: was like teed up right next to my footage. Yeah, The editing. Yeah, and then so sometimes Goofy I would photos. be like, "It's actually like that wasn't me. That <laughs> wasn't me. I did not do that." It was like crazy, but anyway, yeah, that was a big uh, learning experience for me on that um, on that film. Just like all of the. Felt like all of the things came together. Learning how to ride like yourself and using everything you've learned this far to like have a magic moment. It was cool.
1: Kind of coming into your own. Yeah. A
3: lot, yeah. A lot of good takeaways from that, definitely. And then again, you were rewarded for video part of the year again. Uh, mm-hmm. Also want to just say that video is awesome and you did a great job. Uh, but I kind of have a question in regards to uh, kind of being, so you've been, the only female in a crew of dudes and you've been in a video with all females and there's kind of all these different video projects. So what direction do you think like as an industry, we should be going with, with videos? Should it be? Yeah. what's your thoughts on all that?
2: It's really up to the writers. Yeah. You know, and like how they feel. I think anywhere where you can be comfortable, that's the best place to be. Comfortable, having fun, confident. I think when you're, like, incredibly intimidated, you know, it doesn't always work out that well <laughs> in my experience. That's not everybody's experience. There's also a level of, like, sometimes you can rise to somebody else's level, you know, and, like, it pushes you. Like I was kind of saying with Hana and, like, like huge jumps. It's like, yeah, this, sometimes it's really good to be, like, pushed and be riding with people who are much better than you. Um, but I don't think there's any, like, we should be doing that, we should be doing this. It's all about, like, finding a good crew and, like, going out and, like, being the best you can, you know? <laughs> and I, th- I don't think, like, having an all-women's film is, like, bad or, like, passe. Um, and I don't think being the only woman is, like, bad. Or passe. It's just, like, who you feel comfortable with. Like, if you have a really supportive, like, crew of people who are, you know, across all genders, like, awesome. You you nailed it. Like, you feel good and confident and you have some decision-making power. That's where you want to be.
3: Great stuff. Uh, in the... I actually almost want to rewind because I almost think back. It seems like we're getting to be in a much better place from my perspective, and I'd love to hear yours. But I think about, like, back in the day with videos, it was like, this brand is buying in these three riders, mm-hmm. and it was, like, just the sponsor buy-in, and maybe one of those three riders is a female, and maybe the rest of the crew is just kind of like, oh, we got to we gotta take this person out even though we don't really want to. But it seems nowadays what I'm seeing with the younger, the, the like, changing of the guard so to speak is they want it they have everybody's got each other's back it's not this like weird thing like we can't go out with her because she's a female and she's not going to go as big i don't think that's as much of a thing anymore am am i wrong with
2: that no i don't think you're wrong um yeah i don't know it's it's uh it's funny because like i i feel like i've been in a few different eras in snowboarding um, not to date myself or anything. <laughs> I'm turning 40 on Friday. Wow, yeah,
1: <laughs> that's yeah, rare that you would just out your age like that, yeah. too. That's
2: air horn 40, level you are four.
1: Comfortable with yourself, yeah, that's great. Wow,
3: said 21 yeah. for the contract, that that's just
0: yeah, me, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. okay, guys, <laughs> that's kind of a move, you know? <laughs> wow,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's I mean, unavoidable. Chris. Chris over here, he's 22 years old. I just turned 19,
3: <laughs> actually. 19. And if I could get a four-year contract, <laughs> that would got, be ideal. He's got
1: the whole, so many years at him.
2: Yeah, so. yeah, the the child. You're like the you know 22-year-old child. We're exactly. all just a bunch of kids. Yeah. No, I I'm, I feel great. And I'm stoked. Anyway, we're digressing from this question. It's going to go back there. Yeah, let's talk um, about that. Yeah, uh, something about... Video parts and crews.
3: Maybe tokenism a little bit.
2: Tokenism, yeah. And like having the token girl or being on all dudes' crews or all women's crews. I think that what's great about where snowboarding's at right now, and I think the way that we are starting to think about it, which I think is great, is we're snowboarders. And it's not, you know, women's snowboarding or men's snowboarding. Because that, to me, is very limiting. And right now, like, current times, we're gender fluid in a lot of sports. And I think people really still talk about, like, women's snowboarding versus men's snowboarding. And you're like, yeah, what if you don't fit into those two buckets? You know, like, can we start to talk about that? How about we just are a bunch of, like, snowboarders? You know, and I think, like, um, crews are forming with, like, Whoever's there, whoever they're stoked on, you know, and who's like together and having fun. Like it's it's great like that. And I love that snowboarding is headed in that direction. Um, I think we're doing way better than we have in the past in terms of like you can't go here. You can go here. We don't want you on the crew like, oh, you know, we got a token here, a token there. I don't think we're all the way there, but I think we're getting places. Yeah, and I'm like really loving snowboarding right now, and feeling that like some ste- a lot of steps are being taken. And it the the thing with that is it doesn't happen overnight. These things are, take time to adjust the, our perspectives and the way we think about each other, and um, it's just not immediate. But I think the thing that I is is what really resonates with me and what I'm noticing is that we're becoming better people. (laughs) We're nicer to each other. We care about each other. Like just even seeing more people like getting avalanche training. We care about each other. We care about not dying. We care about like, we want you to come home and we care about your feelings. Like if somebody, if there's like slurs made or, oh, this group is completely underrepresented. Well, let's do something about it. And it's not perfect, and the, you know it never really will be, but at least we're making an effort, and I think that's good. And I don't know if I—that
0: <laughs> was great. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's like exactly it, but because um, I I think that we do have a long, long, long ways to go. But I I really mm-hmm. want to stop thinking about snowboarding as like men's and women's and it just being snowboarding.
1: Yeah, I like that. We're all just humans. Yeah. Just humans out there trying to shred. That's yeah. a
3: quote from TGR. I love it. Like talking about leveling the play, playing field. And it's like you mentioned your quote was, viewing yourself as a human and not a female is a great way to start.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and it's okay to be like if, if you are a woman and you're like ultra feminine, that's fine. You know, and if you're a man and you're ultra feminine, that is fine. Like as long as we can see what's like what the options are. Like there's options now of how you want to how you want to be, and the fact that that's like actually just even being talked about is incredible. You know, it's it's great. And I think um, I worked on a documentary piece uh, for the last two years, came out in the spring, and I learned so much about um, you know, and, and I'm like very like I don't know a lot but I I learned a lot about it, a a bit about it, I'll say that, Um, about, like, you know, Skate Like a Girl and their trans community and how that operates and, like, um, in sport, how how we should approach it and, like, everybody has a different perspective and, like, how to navigate that. And (laughs) there were moments where, like, I screwed up and said, like, hey, it was nice, like, hanging with you ladies, you know? And I'm just, like, walking away, like god like just so humiliated but then having you know somebody correct me and you know no like i love that support not getting angry but just like correcting me and i was like yes i want that you know like i want to i want to do better and i feel like um as a whole we can do better and we're getting there i don't know if that rambles a little bit no it's great (laughs) that was i'm like really trying hard not to get canceled here no you're doing great (laughs) i think
3: they're they're important (laughs) subjects to talk about and you're Talking about them very gracefully, and uh, they're they're like like I said, they're important. Um,
1: you I'm trying hard not to Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh my god. I'm like, oh god, because it it can be really yeah. you know it's not I'm not trans and I'm not a person of color, so to talk about it, it's it's um it's not I don't want to say it's hard. It's it's um it's a navigation. Yeah. You know because that's it hasn't been my experience and I don't have that perspective, and so I'm. I guess I'm just trying to say, like, what I know about it is this, and I still have so much to learn. But really, I think the great thing about snowboarding is that it's for everybody, and anybody can do it. Yay! <laughs> good stuff. So <laughs> you
3: know, I think that's good. There's also I want to I want to add to that though, too because
2: Yay. I'm a Bud, and
3: I were white dudes, and what I I know that that's how I have experienced the world.
1: In this, that's our lens. That's so.
3: our, right, that's our lens, and when you tell your experiences I get to have empathy for your experience that's different than mine whether it's somebody that's trans whatever whatever however you identify their experiences everybody's got different experiences and I think as long as we can approach that with empathy mm-hmm. then I think we're heading in a good direction
2: yeah I think you know, with that's a, what it's all a bit of kindness and yeah. an open heart and open like open yeah. mind like different perspectives, you yeah. know, like if we can just accept that what you think your life is or what life should be is not for everybody, like mm-hmm. we're getting somewhere,
3: Totally. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about your, uh, sponsor, sponsor switch, switch up oh. because, uh, <laughs> kind of like bet on yourself and, and kind of took a gamble and, and it worked out.
2: This is one of those, like, I, I wish I read the Louis Vito manual on how to
0: dodge oh, questions. Yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah, the media
2: training? Yeah, the media training. I wish media, I had
1: that. Media training.
2: But we did talk about just leaving abruptly.
1: You could abruptly yeah. leave. You <laughs> put your headphones on the thing. Yeah, out oh, I'm out of here.
2: I don't know. Um, yeah, we could can, we can talk about that. We could talk about <laughs> that. Yeah. No, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. Um, so what in particular would you like to know? <laughs>
0: There's a whole, I mean,
3: you're right for Roxy. Roxy makes boards and outerwear. They do. And you left and you went on a journey to find a new sponsor. I did, yeah. You turned down brands and you waited until brands were in alignment. I'm telling
1: your story. You're supposed to be telling all this stuff. No, this is good. Please (laughs)
0: continue.
1: This is is, told by Chris. Yeah. uh, Why am I. What
0: else?
1: What else do you know,
0: Chris?
3: (laughs) I know, but you got to hear it out of the horse's mouth.
2: Whoa, you're calling me a horse? Um,
1: (laughs) That's media training. She's (laughs) just a a natural dude. Yeah,
2: (laughs) I'm just trying to leave, okay?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's inching towards the door, letting Chris tell the story. No, I I can
2: tell you the whole story if you would like to hear it. People Um, probably want to know. Yeah, like set a timer because you're going to have to be like, okay, and you're done. Um, No, I'm just kidding. It's... uh, it was a really great e- and rough experience. It was, it was good, though, in the end. Like, I'm exactly where I want to be right now. And getting here was um, <laughs> tricky. A bit of a na- navigation. And yes, a total gamble. There was a, a lot of moments where I wanted to cave and just, like, sign whatever came in front of me, and even if it wasn't, like, perfect. Um, but I'm really, really get glad that I held out um and I rode for Roxy for thirteen years. When I was um, you know, beginning to be a part of snowboarding and like really watch snowboarding, the Roxy team was like everything I wanted to be. They were like Aaron Comstock, Lexus Waite, Tora Bright, uh Jess Dalpias, Amber Stackhouse.
3: It's a cumulative air horn. That's
1: a good good Crew right there.
2: Yeah, Sarah Burke. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were just these, like, you know, powerful snowboarders and skiers. um, And they were quite, like, you know, they were just, like, a power team. Power women's team. And I was, like, really attracted to that. And I really, like, idolized that whole program. And Roxy was one of my first sponsors. They were the first people to give me outerwear. Um, I actually left um, the flow program for two years and rode for Tech Nine and Section. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yep, I did that. And then um, Roberta Rogers, <laughs> I would like look. to give her a shout out if you oh, don't yeah, mind.
0: Yeah, Roberta's giving a shout out.
3: Buds, you kind of dropped the ball when she, sorry to derail, but you could have kept her on tech nine. Anyway, sorry. Keep going.
2: Yeah. <laughs> could have. Okay. I wasn't like officially on. I was just getting flow from oh, like okay. the
1: local who dude, was, you know? Who was giving me flow?
2: <laughs> um, I don't know. Some guy out of, I forget his name.
1: Calgary? Or is it yeah. In? it was at Alberta. Was it Jason Flynn? It
2: was Jason nice. Flynn. Yeah, it was Jason let's give, Flynn. Let's give Flynn an air Flynn was so good to Flynn knows
1: Flynn knew what he was doing. Huh? He had his eye on the pulse of yeah. snowboarding.
2: Yeah, and then I met with like Trent and Troy Bush. Oh,
1: you met with Trent and Troy Bush Well, I went too. to
2: SIA yeah. with a Sponsor Me DVD. Nice. And I was currently getting flow from Roxy, and I like went around to the booths, and instead of like handing out a CD, I actually would open my laptop and be like, please sit. And I would like, (laughs) (laughs) I would sit with them and like put the CD in and like I had it queued up also, you know, so I wasn't exactly like, it was ready to go. I I made sure I was like prepared and I would like, you know, pull it up, hit play and like let them, watch my Sponsor Me tape, and then close the computer and then be like, I think I would be a great Very asset to your experience. <laughs> yeah, like a traditional job interview. It was kind of weird, but I didn't know better. That I just wanted to like be a part of it and like, how do I do that? And like, I'd only been to like traditional job interviews, so that's how I did it. I just went to SIA knocking on doors. And Trent and Troy Bush were like, you can be on section. And I was They're like, so
1: nice. What nice people they are.
2: Yeah, it was cool. But that didn't last that long because the the company
1: Yeah, you caught us cut us at a bad time, so I guess. You
3: were at Berta. You were talking about Roberta. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, sorry. sorry. <laughs>
3: good derail though. Sidebars. Like sidebar. The sidebar was good. It was a good, sidebar. <laughs> it was a good sidebar. Yeah.
2: Um so Roberta gave me a phone call and she wasn't my agent. And she was like, Hey, uh, Roxy's looking for a Canadian snowboarder, and I think you'd be a really good fit. I think you should talk to them. And like, I wasn't a part of her program. She just like saw me as a good fit and just, like, hooked us up. It was, like, such an amazing hookup. Um, And, yeah, did that for me. It was really great. She didn't even ask for some commission?
1: Nothing. Just out of the kindness. Yep. What a great human.
2: Yep. What a great human. Um, And I ended up uh, signing with Roxy, and I went on my first trip with them to Europe somewhere, and the rest is history. I I rode for them for 13 years, and they offered me, like, incredible opportunity like again one of those like brands I would not be here today without them yeah they really supported me in a lot of really amazing ways and funded a lot of filming and kind of
1: burned some budge
2: yeah they, they really supported me they gave me ads they, you know helped me do like um, editorial stuff with Transworld like Amber Stackhouse was like in my corner and like vouching for me at every turn
0: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah it was great she was amazing the whole team is amazing and lifelong friends out of the people I worked with at Roxy like Tor and I are still close I still talk Amber's my team manager at POC now um yeah and I'm following like Erin in her like amazing fitness journey and Alexis is like a real estate agent in Montana killing it so it's cool I and I Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, this was good. And just Alpia's, I still get to see her every once in a while. She comes to premieres with her kids and with Brian Craig Craig Hill, and it's nice. It's nice to have that, like, history. Yeah. And anyway, they were great. Um, And I think at some point we kind of, Roxy and I uh, kind of grew apart, I would like to say. I think some of the decisions that were being made there and the marketing and stuff, I I didn't feel like I was fully aligned. And even though they still supported me through everything, like, I really felt like something was missing. Like, I was just, you know, when things just feel good and they're going great and then things were like, kind of just going like sideways a little bit. And uh, we had our differences for sure. But we also had a lot of really amazing times together. And I Just want to, like, thank them for everything they did for me. But uh, I shouldn't say but so quickly. Everything they did for me. And, um, yeah, we just grew apart. And I think some of the ways that I wanted to be represented and the way that I wanted to be a snowboarder, it didn't really jive anymore. Um, And I felt a little bit detached from snowboard culture, uh, and I really wanted to be back in it. And when COVID hit, um, there was some changes that came in the company, and I took that opportunity to kind of just gamble and be like, you know, this is a a good moment for me to just recalibrate. And I had been going in this, like, line riding, guiding path, and really, like, what Roxy is, it's not really that, you know? So I was kind of like, oh, how do I keep being a part of this but I'm over here, and that was more the the disconnect, right? Like, for me, the, that was the disconnect, is I just wasn't really, I was going in a different direction. And I think they recognized that, too. Um, and so it was amicable, amicable breakup. Um, but it was really scary, too, because <laughs> I had been with them for so long, and I felt like it was part of my identity, but I think I just wanted a new identity, you know? <laughs> And I wanted to feel, I I felt myself feeling salty about snowboarding. I was like, and you know, Austin would point it out to me to be like, yeah, like Robin is like not that bad. And I just, I felt that like saltiness, like growing. And that's the last thing I wanted. I didn't, I did never wanted to be salty. I wanted to be like a happy 80 year old snowboarder. (laughs) And so feeling that disconnect, I was like, I gotta, I gotta like, I gotta go. You know, I got to go and like find and not be salty. I can't, I can't be that. So, um, yeah, I left the company and, um, which was, uh, yeah, scary. (laughs) And I just was sponsorless for that whole year. And that was two years ago. And that was like the natural selection year and the year I was working, my second year working on fabric and, uh, yeah, it was a lot. And to say that i didn't feel pressure is like not true at all i felt like i needed to rise i was like this is the moment where i need to like really get the fire lit and i was like so hyper focused on natural selection and like having good clips and like being respected i was like okay i got to do this i got to do this i got to like prove that i can still hang and, yeah, I definitely had a lot – a few people offer me contracts, and I just, like – some of them felt good. Some of them didn't. Um, but my, like, dream sponsor was Arcteryx and actually Jones. <laughs> so uh, – and actually, we I had had a conversation with Jones. I had wrote them, like, my hilarious job interview email. <laughs> like – I think I would be a great asset to your team, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know how else to do it, you know? I'm learning slowly, but <laughs> 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 it's, like, kind of embarrassing. But And they were like, no, nah, we're good. And I was like, damn it. Okay. That's what they said? Um, well, it wasn't like, no, nah, we're good. It was just like, we're not ready to bring on, you know, bring bring on more riders at this time. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, and so that whole year, I was getting float boards uh, and outerwear, Um, but really feeling like kind of naked, you know, I was like, oh, it's going to (laughs) happen. And, but really I decided to kind of like block that out during the winter and just focus on snowboarding. I was like the best way to like get this done the right way is to just focus on snowboarding. So I like kind of went to work and did that. And it really worked out for me. (laughs) It was incredibly stressful, like I talked about before. And I was just, like, hustling and doing everything. And like, yes, yes, yes. Keep going. Keep your head down. Like, just keep going. You know, it was, like, a lot of pressure um, that I put on myself. No brands. Just me putting that on myself. Um, And then at, like, the 11th hour, I got a phone call from uh, Greg Weaver at Jones. And... Yes, and uh, Justin Sweeney at Arcteryx, and it all just, like, and then Amber Stackhouse, it all just kind of meshed, kind of came together. Yeah, and I spent that whole year, and I'd, like, you know, spent my own savings on, I was like, you know, if I really want to keep doing this, like, I'm not going to stop because I'm not getting paid, because this is what I love. I don't care if I'm getting paid. I want to, like be the best snowboarder I can be. I want to be a lifelong snowboarder. This is what I want. And here's my savings account.
1: <laughs> here's my here's savings my account. savings account. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. And I just like went for it. And it really worked out. And it like really speaks to sometimes you just like, like there's like an inner, it sounds so like cheesy, but like there's like an inner compass that's like guiding you. And like, sometimes you just know, you know, and like, what do you want and how do you want to show up, you know? And, like, being honest and, like, truthful about that and then, like, setting that end goal, like, like kind of going, like, well, this is what I want to look like from a sponsorship standpoint. Like, this would be the dream. And then, like, you know, chip away. You can't, like, manifest without doing the work. And I think that's, like, everybody's like, oh, just manifest it. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, but you got to get to work, you know? Mm-hmm. You got to have, like, that vision but you can't just have the vision. You got to actually, like, mm-hmm. go get it, you know. So um, that kind of happened. <laughs> and now I'm, like, in that same spot where, I, you know, all the moons kind of came together. And, like, I'm so grateful for all the brands who support me. And it's just been an incredible ride. And I feel so lucky and, like, supported. They're so good to me. And I'm, like, meeting new people and having new opportunities for learning, you know, getting out in the mountains in different ways. And, like, it's just been great. I feel like snowboarding's just been in, like, the whole evolution of it for me has been, like, one gigantic learning experience. And I'm I'm still, every day, just, like, learning something new. (laughs) It's great.
3: You feel more aligned with these brands?
2: Absolutely. I feel like this is exactly where I want to be and where I need to be.
3: I think so too. I'm so glad that's a Cinderella story. Yeah, it really is a Cinderella (laughs) story. Cinderella story. (laughs) She invested in herself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And what you said
3: is really important. I love the manifestation with action too. It's like the same thing. You gotta have the action. With same thing with like reading too, right? It's like you could read every book like knowledge. Knowledge is useless without action. Yeah. Like manifestation's useless without
1: action. That's the key part people forget. Important
3: Mm. thing to Highlight.
2: Yeah, you know? there's this yuppie culture where they're just like, yeah, just like manifest it. And you're like, no, not really. <laughs> like have a vision yeah. and work at it. I, w- I like to say that more than like manifest your destiny because like it is that. You got to have that like forethought, foresight. Where you can see yourself, you know, like I said, like seeing yourself yeah. at the Trans World Awards with your glass. And it happen. And then like work towards it. Like go get it. And like put it lay it all out there. Like leave it all on the field, you know? Hmm. Rob a hawk. Rob your hawk. Rob a hawk <laughs> your <laughs> way
3: leave to the it top. On the field. <laughs> <laughs> rob a hawk to the top. <laughs> Sounds like a great song title. It then. does
1: to the top. Like some
3: some metal.
1: Yeah. All right. What's up, Bombhole? I'm Aaron Bittner, and this is the Burton Good Company.
3: We took this board up to test it out at Woodward Park City, mostly park riding. This board has a great twin tip shape, really good kick on the tip and tail, camber profile and overall felt great riding Was a regular and switch. Yeah, to me this board feels like it's built for a park rider but also wants to have a board that they can take out and ride the mountain too. So if you want to hear the full review, go to the Bombholes YouTube channel. Or check out the Burton Good Company at your local shop or on Burton.com. All right, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about Bub's Naturals. Now, what is Bub's Naturals? So they're a company that makes all kinds of products, but the one that I like the best is their collagen protein powder. Now, I like to take this mix it in a smoothie. I take two scoops, throw it in a smoothie with some blueberries, banana, almond butter, some chia seeds, uh, some some uh, oat milk, mix it all up, get yourself a great smoothie. And the thing that's great about it, with two scoops of collagen in there, you get 20 grams of protein. And as you get older, your body kind of loses the ability to synthesize this protein. So, you got to get it in the system if you want to keep snowboarding when you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. If you want to be 110 and still be able to make twist or just turn down the hill, for that matter, you got to take care of your body. So that's what's cool about Bubs. Uh, it's a company that comes from the world of snowboarding. So, you know, snowboarders for snowboarders here. And you're supporting a great brand. 10% of all of their profits go to charity. So if you want to take care of your body, head on over to bubsnaturals.com. Use promo code BOMBHOLE for 20% off. Again, BubsNaturals.com, promo code BOMBHOLE for 20% off. I usually go through about two of these jugs a month if you're getting a lot down the gullet. So again, bubsnaturals.com, promo code BOMBHOLE. So thinking about brand alignment, you know, what really comes to mind, I feel like you were really aligned with the levitation project with their six armed levitating (laughs) satanic Buddha. I thought that that was really like just, uh,
2: you know, yeah. (laughs) Yep. Totally. Mm hmm. Sorry. sorry. The super Yogi. Yeah. Yeah, Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Yeah. I may have this like, uh, Era, but like some of the things I see seem like you know oh that was, that was good, but like in reality, I'm like a total shit show, always like d- doing too much and definitely not the yogi vibe yeah. trying <laughs> trying really hard
3: you're but. doing great, thanks you're doing great <laughs> okay, well you you know we gotta talk about this because you you kind of breezed over natural selection, oh yeah, and you won the tour you- you did great in all those contests. You got all the accolades, you ripped it, but Austin was telling me that you kind of dove in with some mindset stuff to get yourself ready. Like you kind (laughs) of, he said you did some work on the mental edge and that's what I want to, I want to peel back the layers on that and see, uh, what you (laughs) did to get ready. I'm I'm curious about that.
2: Yeah. Um, I did. I, I've been working with a sports psych who's actually a friend of mine, um, And honestly, she, like, changed the way I, like, approach snowboarding. It's great. Um, Basically, going into natural selection, I kind of looked at, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Because, you know, you just do that sometimes. Some people do. I do that. I look at, like, where I'm, like, not that strong and where I am strong. And I'm like, okay, I feel like... You know, riding the course on a good day, I could I could do all right. Like, I wouldn't totally fail or whatever. It, I could have a good day and it could be great. And I was like, okay, um, backcountry snowboarding, I'm definitely going to work on some freestyle. I'm going to work on some natty hits. So I knew what I needed to work on there. But the big gap for me was that I never competed. And I didn't know how to compete. <laughs> but I was competitive. You know, I have like a competitive uh, side to me. So I really wanted to, like, fill, fill in the blanks on, like, what I really wasn't that good at and that was competing. And, like, knowing that a lot of those contest riders, they do work. And my friend on, like, mental mental game. And my friend Chris Whitwicky, who's the um, slope style coach. Yeah, shout out Chris Whitwicky. Very old friend of mine. Amazing snowboarder. Love Chris. Um, he is the coach for uh, the Canadian freestyle or snowboard slope styles. <laughs> He's the Canadian slope style team coach, national team. Anyway, that took me a while. Um, and I know I always noticed like he was talking about, you know, like mental game and like oh this person's so in their head and like this person is like really like in it right now. And I was kind of like oh I don't. I don't really know anything about that. And I had heard from Michelle Parker actually. Um yeah, she had she had kind of been like, "Yeah, well, I've been working with this, you know, our friend for quite some time and maybe she should try it." And I was like, "Yeah, I'll try anything at this point, you know." And knowing that I like really had that fire going in that like pivotal year, I was like I really need to just do everything I can to make this work. And yeah, I, um, worked with her quite a bit, um, on kind of like harnessing that competitive side. And I learned, I learned a lot about like alternate personalities, um, like having another, like the best version of yourself and creating a personality around that. And then like, trying to embody that person when you step into the arena, like trying to be that, you know, like who is that ideal person that you want to be or that like, you know, who do you think you could be? And you're like, okay, yeah. Who's my fiercest like person, you know, and then uh, doing a lot of exercises to kind of get into that mindset and then arriving at the arena as this, this like powerful snowboarder, you know, and leaving, like, everything else behind. Um, And it really worked for me. It was incredible, yeah. Uh, And just being able to kind of um, step into that competitive scene uh, with one more tool in the toolbox, that was, like, the edge I needed. I really needed to not be nervous and um, be confident and, like, kind of focus that fire and that really, really helped me to do that. And I remember at the end, I like um, that last day in Alaska. I got back to the lodge and I just phoned her and I was like, "We did it," you know, because I really felt like it was a collective effort. You know, I couldn't have done it without her. Um, and it was, it was a really key piece to showing up like myself again because it's hard when you're um, distracted by the mickle Bank doing like a natty back five, like perfect right before you're about to drop in. And, you know, just being able to like honor who you are and snowboard like yourself and do the best that you can. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that like a lot of people don't realize is like competing can be quite harsh in the way that like, um, comments and, um, the way people like you're being judged by the public, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, Everybody has a different opinion and um, really it comes down to the judging, you know, like Instagram doesn't judge you (laughs) and um, being able to like kind of just tune that out and like go out and just do you, you know, and like I think a lot of people don't recognize that like we're just out there doing the best we can, you know, it may not be like what you're looking for, but like that's the that's the best I can possibly do in that moment. You know, Um, and I I did struggle with that quite a bit, Um, especially after, you know, I like like I said, that year was like, (laughs) you know, like ups and downs. Like I got eliminated at Jackson and then got that like other opportunity. And I I did feel like uh, to compete at Baldface because of COVID, you know, and that was like, you know, awkward for me because really I just want to go out there and do the best that I can and like take the opportunities that seem good. Another one of those moments where you're like, how the hell did I end up here with this brand new set of oh, yeah, Bronco you, keys? Yeah, you
3: got it in a sled, a Polaris. Oh, and right? a sled, right. yeah, Polaris yeah. and a Bronco.
2: Yeah, like, I can't I believe it. I forgot about the Bronco. Yeah, actually, I just got it. It
1: I just took got a little while. It. it took a little while. Yeah.
2: But it is beautiful. Damn, From
3: Rob-A-Hawk to, Rob to the,
2: Bronchi, dude. <laughs> the
3: Bronco, Hawk, Look at that, dude. it's a Cinderella
1: story. Dude.
2: A lot of lot of tomahawks, ramahawks on the way to the Bronco,
1: yeah, with a sled and a sled and a sled. And I ordered
2: it in purple. Wow! Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Straight purple. I was like, if you're gonna get like any sled that you want, like why not? You know, like if you get to pick any Polaris in this line, like. Why
1: not? I would have picked purple, maybe. Just yeah. don't.
2: Yeah, and Austin was like, you're not going to order purple. I was like,
1: watch me. <laughs> watch me order purple. He's all embarrassed to you out in the back country. <laughs> he totally was. Sled. I don't know this person. He totally I don't was. Know, I don't know I'm who that with, is in the purple sled creeping up right there. I'm like, hey, man, I
2: don't want to look the same as everybody in that, like, black ninja snowmobile kit. I want to be purple. I think I said <laughs> So, yeah, I have a purple sled.
3: couple things. <laughs> Couple things. I want to run back. I want to run it back too, because okay. it's interesting thinking about coming from the video part world. So, you know, if I'm speaking on my personal experience, video parts are great because you can like procure all this footage and make it appear that you're just this phenomenal snowboarder. When in actuality, you might have like been a nightmare to get those clips. Like you, you can you can kind of. You only did them once, right? You only did them once, and, yeah. and so you can kind of you can just put out the best version of yourself and nobody has to see those failures. And the reality is like what it, for me when it came to contests like when I think back on it it's like if I don't try then I can't fail. Mm. So I just won't do them. However, when you're when you actually get into competing, it's very vulnerable. You know, you're putting yourself out there and there's just this long amount of time to just let self-doubt creep in. Like I imagine that's kind of what I wanted to segue into with this is like you, the amount of time you have to sit there and watch Mikkel Bang do a beautiful back five <laughs> yeah. while you're sitting out there like, am I going to go left off of this pillow? Where am I going go? Am I going to go right? What's What line am I going to do on this finger? Uh, it, can I even do this? Like the, the the self-doubt creeping in, you have so much time to sit there and overanalyze that I just love that you created this kind of like arena person To attack the mountain uh, And yeah yeah. Did you battle Did you you battle The self-doubt as well
2: Uh, Absolutely Like Mm -hmm. it was actually I had these like Little things I would do uh, Before I dropped in To like Get out Get all that shit out Like I would imagine An incineration I would imagine All those bad thoughts And I would like Start a fire (laughs) Which seems crazy But like In all reality I'm a crazy person (laughs) (laughs) I'm crazy,
0: <laughs>
2: and I'm totally okay with it. It's um, a good sound bite. We should yeah. pull
0: that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm crazy. I'm crazy, um, but yeah, I like I would like do this like hip movement to kind of like get grounded, and then I would like all those things because it's weird what happens and like something that I do is I I imagine. You know, I try to imagine myself, like, landing or, like, grabbing or doing this 360. Like, imagine in your head and then go do it, right? But then it's almost like self-sabotage where you're, like, these little thoughts of you, like, rob a come up and you're, like, no, no. Uh, <laughs> and then it comes back and you're, like, incinerate, incinerate, it's let it on fire. And so I would just, like, close my mind completely and, like, all I would see was flames. And I was just, like, flames. And then, like, <laughs> for each stop i actually had a different um strategy and they built on each other and so at the end this this is gonna sound like i am completely crazy this
1: is one flew over the cuckoo's <laughs> nest version oh, yeah. of uh, snowboard <laughs> professionalism
2: totally i like you know when i talk through like the mental game and all that stuff and making these like alternative personalities and uh, that was really working and really something that I started to do. <laughs> I'm not going to get to how we landed here, but creating this like flaming phoenix <laughs> bird. And I would like stand at the top of my run and always go like, like this. And I would like feel the flames. I was like spreading my wings. and like <laughs> 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 Which is, good. yeah, totally insane. I know.
1: And yeah, it works.
2: And it worked. Yeah. It was just like, I was able to just, like, block out all that other, like, I'm going to fall. I'm not as good as this other person. You know, I'm competing against Zoe. Like, try competing (laughs) against Zoe. Like, as a, you know, (laughs) 38-year-old. And we've got this, like, 21-year-old, like, just amazing snowboarder. Like, she is literally, like, the hottest ticket in snowboarding right now. I'm, like, so in awe of that woman and having to compete against her (laughs) with intimidating <laughs> yeah but also like i had to like find some pieces in there i was like why am i here why do i deserve to be here how did i get here and like kind of just build on those to like you know make this you know headspace for myself and that's not how i walk around in real life i'm not like i am a flaming phoenix
0: you know? <laughs> she
3: gets off the chair, at <laughs> baker and she's like ah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what the fuck is going <laughs> yeah, on
2: It seems crazy, but... Um,
1: it works. What That's you got over Zoe, though, you got knowledge yeah, and experience, and yeah. that helps. But she's I... going to go on a 20-year run, though, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah
2: she's got a long, she has her time. fruitful career ahead of her. I cannot wait to see what she does.
1: She's probably going to hear this and start working on her Phoenix moves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sure she's got her own, her own strategy. You know, everybody's different in the way that they like deal with the competition and that one just so happens to be mine and it's a bit weird. But well, also, it works, works. Yeah. I'm a bit crazy and that's fine. It's <laughs> that totally fine. fine. Yeah.
3: There's something you breezed over too talking about like negative comments and hate and things yeah. like that and I think that the thing that's if if you're The same as us. We're doing a podcast. We are speaking publicly, Mm -hmm. people, and we offer people to listen to us talking. And when you do that, we subject ourselves to be hated on. You subject yourself. If I didn't want to be hated on, we wouldn't do a podcast where people could judge and hate us. We would just keep to ourselves. And I I think the same goes like with contests and things like that. Like when you become when you do something that's public, you are just. Inviting people to hate, and as much as hating's is what it is, snowboarders are haters. People are haters. They have their own reasons, but I think that that's also comes with the territory a little bit.
2: Yeah, I I just don't think, like you said, I come from this like film world where I can curate everything yeah. that I do, and you know, like when you're just live snowboarding, it's really vulnerable. Like <laughs> true, <I'm, laughs> it's like
1: yeah, especially live. Huh? Yeah, true. yeah,
2: yeah, and like there's no taking it back. You can't go back up there and grab your board once you've not grabbed it. <laughs> you know, it sucks. And you're like at the bottom like, oh, I should have like should have tried this or should have tried that. But um, or should have done this. And um, yeah, it is part of it. And it's I think I think you're like getting to something really important. And that's something I wish I knew so much earlier in my life is like f- not everybody's going to love you. And, like, if you don't try, you don't get anywhere. And I wish I had tried. I wish I had, like, not cared what people thought about me earlier. Because there was a span of time where I, like, would go to the park and I wouldn't try because I felt like I was being judged or I felt like people would see me fall and be like, she sucks, you know. And that's how I really felt. And I would hold back. And I actually, um, when I... Like, snowboarding with Austin was really good because he would always, like, encourage me to try. He'd be like, oh, you should try, like, a cab underflip. And I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, okay. And I would just, like, go try it and then, like, learn that trick. And it was really great because I, f- I felt like at some point I was like, okay, I'm I'm trying less. I can kind of, like... Ride into the sunset <laughs> in this like geriatric snowboard phase of my career.
3: <laughs> Some orthopedic snowboard boots, you're good to go.
2: Yeah, but really, like, you don't have to stop trying. And it's incredible what you can do at any age if you're just trying. And, like, even like last year, this year, I'm still learning new tricks and it feels really good. And I don't care. Like, if people, if I fall and tomahawk a lot, Even, like, cumulatively, it used to be, like, oh, I got three in a row, like, three strikes out. That's embarrassing. But now I'm, like, ten strikes out, don't give a fuck, and keep going. You know, and I just, like, try, try, try. And, like, failure is a part of success. It's just, if you're not failing, you're really not, like, getting anywhere. Mm. (laughs) You know, we learn so much from failing. Mm. And sometimes it feels shitty, but, you know, it helps you, like, move that one step forward and i wish that i had almost tried more in that one because i feel like i lost like a couple years of progression in my snowboarding mm-hmm. yeah for real
3: that's a great mantra just like show up try hard yeah and then you next thing you know you get a bronco keys getting handed to you, <laughs> works stud. out pretty good
0: yeah yeah
2: it's all worked out really well and like it might seem like, oh yeah, there's all these like cool accomplishments. There's always ups and downs, and like, <laughs> like I said, I had insomnia. I don't know if I talked about that, but I had insomnia for like two years. Like, really struggled, taking sleeping pills and like not sleeping at all, and like being like so fried from not sleeping. And but like somehow still like performing. It's like quite weird what the human body can do in like a, a personal adversity. And you're still able to show up when you really want something. You know, it's like my body didn't shut down. I I just like could keep going. It's like weird things you figure out about yourself as time goes on. You're like, oh, I got this too. I can not sleep and still go out and like film and like still go out and like compete in natural suction. It's crazy.
3: (laughs) So, Buds, what's the time for?
1: Sound of a beer cracking. It's pub beer time. It's
3: pub beer time. Pub beer 30, if you will.
1: <sighs> mm, that's good.
3: Mm-hmm. What's their mantra, Buds?
1: Cheap fun beer, my friend. Welcome to the Pub Beer Crack
0: Shoot. All
3: right, pub beer supports the show. You guys should support them. Now, it's time to roll some freaking dice. You roll those two things and we will tell you We'll ask you a question of sorts. Six. 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 She's Canadian. This one might not apply. Mm. What's the name? What was the name on your fake ID?
2: Oh, I have no idea.
1: You still have to have fake IDs at some point in Canada. Right. Oh yeah, no, yeah. we have drinking
2: age in Canada. It's actually 19. Do
1: mm. you think there's, there's just um, no drinking age in Canada? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna
3: divert. <laughs> Can't remember. <laughs> Who's one of your favorite people to party with?
2: Ooh. That's pretty easy, actually. Uh, Party Pelosi (laughs)
0: Mm
2: -hmm. and (laughs) China, if you will. China. Great answer. She'll probably kill me for saying that.
3: Well, we also, we have a guest question from neither of those two. Well, we already did those. (laughs) So, but uh, MFR, Mm. legend in our sport.
2: Total legend. Hi Robin, I just wanted to ask you as a fearless leader of the chewed movement <laughs> if you would uh, explain what it's all about and uh, maybe you
0: could also go over a quick tutorial of a snake bite for our fellow chews out there. Wow,
2: um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Marie. <laughs> she really knows how to get you. Um, <laughs> I just, like, blue snot all over my face. Um, <laughs> love, Marie. Um, <laughs> big fan. Oh, oh it's a big fangirl. Uh, yeah, the chewed movement. Um, this is something that a friend of ours, Chandra Levesque, who I just adore. Um, there you go. Chandra, you got a little... Air horn. Um, sh- we were... <laughs> so, basically, she came up with this name because most of our girlfriends in our, like, friend group, inside and outside of snowboarding, um, we're all kind of, like... I don't want to say tomboy. We're just, like... We got survival skills. You know, we can start fires. We want to go surf our brains out. We're, like, snowboarding, skating. You know, there's just, like... We're, we're doing all the things. And so she calls... One day she said, like, I'm not a, like, a, a chick, dude. I'm not a chewed, You know, like, in response to something. And it kind of caught on. And so we became the chudes. <laughs> uh, and I've we never had, heard that, and I love it. <laughs> I We've got this, like, ongoing joke. And actually, at her bachelorette party, we had a contest of, it was called the climbing the chewed chain, who was the chudliest. <laughs> 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 and we were, like... Uh, so over this weekend, which just so happened to be at my parents' house on this island. And uh, <clears throat> so unfor- like I kind of had a leg up on the, the chewed chain contest because, you know, I drove the boat because it belonged to my family. So I was like driving the boat, you know, and so one, one point for the chewed chain. Um, <laughs> and then, oh, look, look, you know, we're uh, not at all ever we're going to have to cut that for sure. Legal purposes. (laughs) Yeah. Legal purposes. Allegedly. Uh, But we were out on this boat cruise. We're like, yeah, okay. Like naked backflips. And like, you just so happened to like do a naked backflip. I don't know. There was like some moments, um, where you, you know, if you made the fire or, you know, there was quite a few different challenges, which I really don't want to publicly air on this snake bite being one of them.
3: Question. You guys are, you guys are pro (laughs) snake bite, which we, we love here. Uh, Now, what about the shiwi? Are we fans of the shiwi? No. No, you're,
2: see, okay. No, I I was gifted a shiwi, um, and I have never used it. Okay. And I've been in a lot of hairy situations, small, compact little places on the mountain, and I still find a way to just remove the outerwear. Okay. It's just not, I mean, I could see it in mountaineering or climbing more, but, like, in snowboarding, you can just, like, make a little spot. I just don't. And it's gross. I don't want to carry around something that I've, like, peed on. Mm. Yeah.
3: Technically, kind of sanitizes it, I think. I'm not a scientist. but
1: <laughs> It's gimmicky to me. Okay. You think it's sanitized? It's not like spraying <laughs> a lime on it it's, or something. It's like lime. You know, Bud's actually,
3: while we're on the subject, Bud's once cured pink eye with a lime to the eye. How do yes. you do that? Oh, wow. you got to do
1: lime several times throughout the day. <laughs> no. It's not just one.
2: Homeopathic remedy. <laughs> yeah. Such a hippie. In an
1: airport, actually. In an airport, (laughs) traveling. (laughs) No way.
2: (laughs) Just forgot to wash your hands and like, oh, my God. (laughs) It's like when you fall on a reef in Tahiti, you know, you get all cut up. They're all lime. Same thing. Those reefs have gnarly
3: gnarly stuff. (laughs) Checks out. All right. We're going to change gears here. Uh, That was a great conversation. Was it? It was phenomenal. I feel
2: very um, naked now. I'm like, wow, yeah, very exposed.
1: (laughs) That's... the point of the podcast yeah, this is, is we we won we're in
2: the nest it we're happens. in the trust yeah. tree okay we're in the
1: trust tree good We've so got
2: it. talking
3: about you have lived a fantasy of many peoples that sounds weird given the context of our previous conversation in regards to like building a dream home on a plot of land if you will ah. off the grid a lot of people a lot of people fantasize about it. they're like i want to just live off the grid live off the land mm-hmm. no power in the middle of nowhere you did that. It took you five years to build it. How was the expectation versus reality on that?
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's all very romantic. Yeah, it was... Uh, the reality was you have to be in the right place to be able to do that. And <clears throat> it's a lot of management. You know, when you... One, you live, like, in the middle of nowhere. You're in the... Like, for us, we were in a rainforest and we were, um, dealing with a cut block. We bought like this cut block because really that was all we could afford. (laughs) Like we're going to buy this shaved piece of land (laughs) because it's all we have. Um, and we didn't have money to build a home and we were like, okay, let's just like build something off the grid. We built a container home from recycled materials. I think that felt, um, like we really wanted to one, build something. I just really wanted that experience and that experience with Austin and we both wanted to learn a, l- a little bit about, like, that whole scene. So, um, yeah, and we decided to go as much recycled as we possibly could. It was fully off-grid. There wasn't even a well when we first got there, even though it was supposed to come with a well. It didn't. Um, but learning, like, what off-grid takes and the maintenance involved with that and then the realities of, like, living um, in the middle of a forest. Like you're living on in like the animals and the plants territory, you know, and you can't expect it to be like a home in Vancouver or Victoria or in Whistler because you're really living in the thick of it and they are established there. (laughs) You know, we're talking like bugs and snakes and wolves, bears, cougars, you name it. That's their home and we're there. Um, And we're living in like in the pathways, you know, and it's incredible. Like there were so many great things about it, like waking up to the silence of the forest and just hearing like birds and bugs and learning about what all those sounds are and like hearing like bears like tromping around or in your, you know, it's it's really cool. But um, and I would like to do it again at a different time in my life. But I think we both Austin and I are living a very like busy lifestyle. I'm traveling a lot. Snowboarding still like, you know, we st- we still are going and like it's full time. So, and the thing about living off grid is it's a lot more management than a regular home. You got to think about like okay, do you have enough um, battery power? Do you are you, is your solar getting enough power for your house? And then if you don't have power, you don't have a pump for your water and you don't have the internet to try and figure it out how to fix it. And, Oh, there's, you know, like termites and how do you fix that? And like water, power, wind, the wind wasn't really working. It was such an incredible learning experience for us. And the time that we spent there was so special and we definitely learned a lot about each other and how to live with each other um, during that time but the reality of living off grid is that you need time and energy to put towards it. And we didn't necessarily have that. And it seemed really romantic. And at times it was meaning like, not like, you know, couples romantic, but like the idea of like living off grid and building something out of like garbage. It would felt really good, but we weren't in any position to, like, manage that ongoing is what we realized. And we realized that halfway through our build.
0: Oh, jeez.
2: Yeah. And we were, like, do we, like, cut our losses and just, like, bail? Or do we, like, see it through? And we saw it through. And we lived there for two years after finishing. So it actually took us three and a half years to complete. Complete. Nothing's really ever complete, off grid because you're always, like, upgrading and um, I think the big lesson was you kind of, if you're going to go off grid, you want to go big with your systems from the get go and not like do a small one and then build on that because it becomes more expensive and it's more wasteful because you're burning through inverters and burning through pumps and water. Um, so it's better to like spend the money at the beginning and it may seem like a really big investment, but in the long run, that's the way to do it. To like really drop at the beginning, set yourself up for growth um, and we didn't do that, so there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of learning moments. There was some uh, garden tools thrown. There was some <laughs> there was some serious <laughs> moments. Our, first, our like you know a couple of fights in there for sure. But I feel like we made it through that, and we sold it in that same year, um, that COVID year, um, and we kind of have now our much more set up for success on a personal level. You know, we have, we turn on the water and it just, like, turns on and it's warm. It's crazy. (laughs) You, like, turn on the red one and it is warm. Like, instantly. It's crazy. And there's, like, enough water to have a shower and there's power. You can, like, plug in your computer. Like, when you need to, like, do stuff, you can do it. Whereas, like, living off-grid, you can't always do it. You have to be really patient and, like, dedicate a lot of time and energy. But I I don't want to, like push anybody who's thinking about it away from that because it is so amazing if you're able to manage it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's such a great way to live. And I feel like a lot of us are going to be forced into, like, some sort (laughs) of, like, regression there in terms of, you know, everything that's happening with climate change, we're going to have to learn how to live more sustainably. And I think at the very least, we're like, okay, well, at least we know how to do that, (laughs) you know? So yeah
3: beautifully articulated mm-hmm. experience what's up with the new spot
2: mm. new spot is a project um yeah we got this awesome place right in Euclid, um, which is our summer like that's where we live um and it's great we're like we got this boathouse thing, which is our next project. It's like a big steel shed, which is basically used to be like a boatways where they take all the commercial boats out of the water. And they would like, you know, repaint them or, you know, fix them, do whatever. So it's got this big old winch. And it's been derelict for like 16 years. Um, and yeah, we're, we're basically living on this property. And we're going to be fixing it up over the next 20 years.
1: <laughs> and that's like
2: not even... Uh, An exaggeration.
1: That's how it goes.
2: Yeah. Instead of like trying to do it all at once, we're just going to pick away at things as we have like time and money because, you know, like renovations are and like upgrading. It's expensive, but you don't have to do it all at once. And I think that's like that was a big uh, learning experience for us with our container build is like we kind of had to do it all at once because that was the only thing to do. But (laughs) now that we are like, okay, well, the roof isn't leaking anymore. So we're we're good. We're dry, you know, and now we can kind of pick and choose how we move forward and at the pace we want to do that. And that's really um that's really great. Yeah.
3: Looks like a killer spot. I like the quarter pipe in the garage, it looks or the big boat house, whatever you call that. Yeah, yeah, the, skate, the boat shed skate setup.
2: Yeah. Um Austin wants to build a bowl in there.
3: Mm, uh, yeah. Concrete or wood?
2: Concrete. Mm. Yeah. We go back and forth. I think you
3: should do concrete as well. Yeah. I know a couple of guys, I'm sure you do too. Oh yeah. Um. All right, <clears throat> we're getting we're getting there. So uh, I think it's good to get into hot takes right now. I think it's Let's... hot take time. All right, we do this every episode. So we're gonna start with the Michael Jordan mm. and or goat greatest of all time. To you, who is yours? That, we got to be clear about that. We're not yeah. arguing about because people argue about who it is. It's I always think it's who to the guest
1: it's to the guest,
3: both male and female. Who you got?
1: Hmm.
2: I'll, I'll start with the female because I feel like that's easy for me. Uh, it's Jamie Anderson. Yeah, she – just, like, the way that she, like, grew up in snowboarding and watching her progress and the way that she did it. And, like, I really admired how she was never, like, chucking. She'd always do it very calculated and, like, built – like. Baby steps, like built on her skills, like baby steps. And yeah, she's just the amount of winning that she's done, the style that she has. Um, she, to me, is like the best to ever do it. Yeah. And now seeing her in Alaska, like she's incredible. She's got amazing snowboard talent and she's a really good person, also. Yeah. Honored to call her my friend. And for dudes? For dudes. Hmm. Yeah, this one's harder because I feel like there's so many different sides to snowboarding, and I like respect people for this thing. And like, <laughs> I think uh, to me, there's like a tie. Are we allowed to do that?
1: You gotta ask buds. We like to get one. You like to get one. Answer. I mean, it's kind of okay, it's kind of okay. a thing here, you know? So.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So bud's this not, has happened bud's before. Not
3: letting you squirm <laughs> out of it, yeah. he, buds. Doesn't he's good at not letting the the Louis Vito media training really. A lot of take,
1: people try to list four. people Some people
3: basically just start listing everybody they know. Yeah, they uh, go but, like
1: through generations. they are like, well, this yeah, and like, this and this. In it's the nineties, like, it was, you know? and they go all the way till now, and it's like we just need one clear answer here. Give us one.
2: That's it. Okay, male and female. Okay, I did. I did female. We're done. You did good. there. We're done there. Yeah. Although, like, big shout out to you know Tara and Victoria. But see,
1: there we go. <laughs> <laughs> She's doing it. <laughs> I'm,
2: doing She's it. Doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. Um, She's doing it. I'm doing it. I would say, like, to me, when I'm, I'm gonna think about it in terms of like, uh, snowboard, snowboarding, and not necessarily. Yeah. Um,
1: this is a snowboard podcast. Uh, it's
2: a, hard, it's a hard one because I, I feel like um, there's some ways that I'm like, yes, and some ways that I'm like, oh, maybe not. But I feel like Nicholas Mueller. His like style and grace in the way that he snowboarded was just incredible. And I like its he's so soulful. you know, he made it look so easy. And I always like wanted to be able to snowboard like him in some any way anyway, even if it was just like a finger, like if I could have this finger, snowboard like Lucas Mueller, he's just like so beautiful to watch.
1: Very graceful on the mountain, not so graceful on the internet. Yeah,
3: it was a graceful answer though. Tell uh, us. so just a next, picky next question: this style, most underrated. Who you got?
2: Oh, underrated for both men and female. However, men? okay, choose your own adventure. Hmm, um, you know, yeah, I'm gonna choose my own adventure. I would say that, like. I would Like, a couple of months ago, I would have said, or maybe even last year, I would have said Emma Crosby, um, but I love the attention that she's getting now. She, like, so deserves it, and I'm, like, I love watching her snowboard. I see, like, little bits of my old self in her, and I'm, like, yes! Like, that double backflip she tried and just, like, full splat. I was, like, oh, I've done that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, I love
2: that, like, hunger, you know, and... Now, you know, she's really, like, landing, and it looks good. She's making snowboarding look really good. Um, So I'm excited to watch her. Um, I also think that in terms of, like, line writing, Taylor Godber is an incredible line writer, and she's really not getting the love that she should be getting right now. So that is a hard call out to the industry right now. Go support that woman. She is so, like, knowledgeable and skilled in the mountains and she's riding some gnarly stuff like she was stepping to stuff i was like no i'm good you go and like (laughs) nailing it i loved i love seeing her kind of her evolution in snowboarding she really like um wasn't very supported for a while and um she kind of went on her own track and was like if i can't find a crew i'm just gonna make my own crew and she like zeroed in on this like uh crew in Pemberton and like committed to going out with them and has really like just become this incredible line writer so
0: yeah
3: love that answer okay steel or powder
0: uh, powder mm. powder
3: okay best style ever
0: mm.
2: Craig Kelly
1: Solid. Good answer, good
3: answer. Best snowboard video ever made. Mm.
0: <laughs>
2: Ooh. It's subjective, right? Yeah. To me, I, re- I really liked Future Proof. Uh, maybe I just like zeroed in on that one, but it just came to me at a time when I... Watch, had to watch it over and over and over, kind of like that Crudence Clearwater tape. That's more what
1: it's about, I think, the video that yeah, you, exactly you know, that. That, that trapped you in and yeah. you, you your eyes on snowboarding. Holy trapped me. You watched it a million times until yeah. the tape didn't work.
2: Yep. Yeah. The music, the different kinds of snowboarding, I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah.
3: She knows it so well, she pretty much got named that video part, right? Pretty much.
2: I really didn't, though, you guys. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, that is a great video. Okay, Laces or Boa? mm Oh, she's a hybrid or two pairs or what are we talking?
2: No, they, they used to have this pair where they just had the ankle boa. Yeah. I love that. So it was like laces because I kind of like it a little bit more loose at the top, like tighter in the foot, um, tight around the ankle, loose at the calf. And I'm kind of a freak about my snowboard boots. I'm really picky. I have a super hard time finding a pair. And there was a pair... That was like really good. I I think it was a thirty two boot, and it was just ankle boa. Mm. And I don't even know if they have it anymore. But that was the
1: best. Yeah, the hybrid is the best thing going. I think it's yeah. on a lot. Of, I don't know if thirty two has it. They but do have. I some. think everybody I'm has.
3: Prototyping a boot that is she's describing. But well, you heard us all talking years. about it lately. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, but our, if you
2: had to choose one or the other, I would choose laces, because I want different places to have different tightness. And even the double boa, it doesn't quite do it perfectly you know <laughs> like i'm all about that like foot feeling i'm like I'm all about the feet feet's a big one for me so
3: okay uh you go heli boarding with three people anywhere in the world just good times rip and pow uh, again you can take anybody in the world doesn't have to be your friends you can take celebrities i'm just saying not because you have to but i'm saying you have the options um who you going who you, who you taking Three seats. I don't even know if that's accurate, but. <coughs> she's Three a guide, seats. so technically she could be a, in the guide. Yeah, we oh, could. Uh, wow. She's yeah, a guide. She and what
1: an about the jump seat? seat? Yeah. yeah. She can get an extra seat. Fit, like, four people
2: in. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure.
3: Jump seat. She's a guide. Whatever. It's all fun. Four people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Um, I would I would take JP. He's done so much for me and, like, given me so much opportunity. Uh, like I would take him. I was like, a thank you, and he's always having fun. He's always having a good time snowboarding, so I take him. I think I would take my dad.
1: Wow, that's nice. Take
2: my dad. Same thing, giving me so much opportunity, and my mom. But I don't know if my mom would love it as much. <laughs> Maybe, but my dad's always been like, oh, if I could, if we could go heli, <laughs> and then I get one more person. Hmm. Maybe Lizzo. She seems like a really good vibe. You know? The,
1: uh,
0: the rapper? Like, yeah. That would...
2: She's like always having a good time. And I just like, I, I don't know if this is like outside of snowboard realm, but like music's a big part of snowboarding. Yeah. I love her music. I love everything that she stands for. You know, she's just like herself. You know, she's always, yeah, she's just
1: great. She's a great ambassador. Funny in the hell, She'd maybe bring the flute.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She could like serenade us down runs. She didn't mm. want to go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I bet she's probably a pretty funny <laughs> fun to have her in the <laughs> Yeah, I bet she's yeah. fun to be around. On the headset with the comms person. going. You yeah, know, yeah. it sounds
3: great. Yeah. Not right. bad. Okay, good answer. Respect. I always love when they throw the celebs in there. Yeah, the just hands. throw a
1: wild card <laughs> at She's
2: it. somebody I really want to meet. Mm-hmm.
1: Why not in a heli? Yeah.
2: I was just reading her, like, Vanity Fair interview.
1: She seemed interesting. Huh?
2: Oh, man. She's like, she said she draws inspiration from, like, Mars Volta. She was, like, listening to Mars Volta in high school. I was like, oh, what? shit. Never would have thought about that. I'm like, oh, man, she's cool. Anyway. Worst trend. Worst trend. Uh, phew, worst trend in snowboarding, I think, is companies basing their snowboarders' value off of Instagram. Data analytics. Can't stand it. Yeah. To me, it's so much more about, like, what you do in your community what you do for snowboarding, how you show up, your credibility, like street cred. Are you a good person? Are you a good snowboarder? <laughs> it's not street like street cred. How many likes and how much engagement? Like to me that is the worst thing in snowboarding is like, oh yeah, so this month you d- didn't quite hit the engagement numbers we wanted. And I'm like, that is just total bullshit. Like it that's not real. Like I'm all about like the real Real snowboarding, like people on the ground doing it, the unpolished photos, the unpolished videos, like I love that shit. And I don't like um, polished Instagram. If I could delete it, I might. I know it's a really important marketing tool.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's a great answer. Good answer. Okay, last question. Have you ever hit a run-through-wall smelling salt?
2: I have never.
1: All right. (laughs)
3: Uh, you got one over I there? I got buds? one. All right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've been waiting. I can't. All
3: right. You basically just... Crush here. Oops. Squeeze it. <sighs>
2: okay. S-
3: squeeze it and smell it.
2: Crush here.
3: And you just kind of ease it up to your nose. You don't want to go... Up. Ease? It's kind of an ease ease it up situation.
2: <sighs> God.
1: Don't go <laughs> crazy. I mean, you can't. <laughs>
3: it'll turn red when you <laughs> pop it.
2: Okay. Oh. Woo. Wow. That's like... <laughs> <laughs> not it's not what I expected
0: It <coughs> doesn't, doesn't get old uh, It's good every it, time
2: It's kind of like those old Ooh. menthol things They looked like lip balm mm-hmm.
1: oh, Yeah. Sorry She's <laughs> holding her nose now <laughs> <laughs>
2: I waited for like the second sniff
1: Sometimes <laughs> I, I go three times <sighs> A couple All light right. ones after What is it
2: supposed to do?
3: I mean don't you feel like you could run through it, a wall uh, or anything right now opens your
1: capillaries. It mean, likes like more oxygen. Water, <laughs> <but> <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to give you a little boost of extra oxygen and wake you up a little bit. Okay, yeah.
2: Okay, I feel woke.
1: You're woke now.
2: <laughs> woke up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it makes you woke. Makes you woke.
2: But yeah, it remind the smell reminds me of those like you know those menthol things you used to get and you know, mm-hmm. stick them up your nose when you're sick. Yep. They don't really have those anymore, do they? Japan. Mm.
1: They're all over.
3: All right, um, all right. We got to talk setups. We got a lot of we got a lot of tech tech people. Listen to this tech daddies, if you will. Tech they love daddies. knowing about they love knowing about the tech, the how you set up gotta your board. The so, uh, what board do you ride? What are your angles? You do anything finicky when you set it up with forward lean? Walk us through your setup.
2: Hmm. This is going to be slightly embarrassing for me. Because I'm not a techie person and I go all <laughs> by feel. So, one, I ride the Jones Stratos. Um, great all around board. Like, ride it in the backcountry, ride it on the resort. It's just like a super playful um, version of a Jones board. Because I feel like some of them are like stiffer and more for like hard charging. This one's like way more playful. So, I love that board. Um, and then I have the bindings. I'm sorry. I just smelled that thing. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: can throw it Residual over here. Residual whiff.
2: Um, um, so, yeah, riding the Stratos. Love that thing. I The combo bindings with that are the Meteorite. Um, love those um, with Skate Tech technology. Um, and that's something I really love. What is it? So it's like these bushings that go underneath um, the front two parts in the binding and the back two parts of the binding. And you can get a stiff bushing or a soft bushing depending on how much play you want. And I, like, like again, I, I'm a foot person. I really like to be able to feel my feet and, like, have movement there. I feel like I get performance out of my bindings is, like, a really important piece. So having that, like, skate tech where I can, like, adjust for what I'm doing, you know, freestyle. Get, like, the soft bushing, line riding. I have that, like, stiffer bushing. So I Cut. love those.
3: What about forward lean?
2: Um, I usually put like a little bit of forward lean on my back foot, um, but not all the time. Yeah, usually just when like I'm going to ride the park or something.
3: Mm. What size board?
2: What size board? Um, I ride like a 51 or a 52. I have the Stratos and a 52, um, and that I ride kind of all mountain. And then if I'm going line riding or hitting jumps or anything, I go to sometimes like a 55 killer yeah
3: okay so that's pretty much it and then any wild like waxing techniques edges you keep them razor sharp or what
2: i don't i'm actually like i'm learning to wax more but i am a bit of like a junk show when it comes to like prepping boards i've never been like super on top of it with like waxing and all that and i i don't it's like a bit superstition superstition superstitiony i don't know if that's a word superstitious superstitious yeah where I, i don't like to to screw with my setup like once it's good and I've like landed something I like on it I'm like oh don't
0: touch it yeah
2: and I actually use like we're talking about stance and width and all that I actually like once I've found my spot I take a jiffy marker and I trace where the bindings are so that if trace I trace hombres yep I trace
3: just trace on yeah. them. yeah wow. but tec- usually trace leches as well trace leches yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: 19 and a half to 21 and a half oh no
1: yeah
3: um okay love yeah. that that's a solid setup right there. Uh, and then just to clarify, so how tall are you first? Because we get asked this stuff a lot, like specifically, I'm looking for a board. How tall? I'm this tall. What should I get? So how tall are you? So they have reference for the board. size. I'm 5'3". Five, three. Five, three. Okay. But
2: I think somebody who's 5'3", I ride boards a little bit bigger than m- most people do, but um, yeah, so I just cuz of
1: the type of riding you're doing, right? Yeah,
2: and I'm a bit stocky. So I'm like heavy, a heavier than a typical like 53 mm. woman. Um so yeah, I would say like I have ridden a 149 in the past in the park and but never in the backcountry but a lot of f- like women my stature would or like at least my height would go with a 49 and like a 53, but sometimes I get up to like 55, 56 just like kind of what I like.
3: Because you're charging. Charging. All right. Love it. Well, a couple last questions before we wrap this thing up. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good platform. There's a lot of people listening to this that uh, are interested in getting in the backcountry. Mm-hmm. They want to get out there. They want to rip some pow turns. You're obviously a guide. What advice do you have for the backcountry <coughs> goers that are just getting into it?
2: Um, I would say, like, go get... Go get some certs. Like go find people you like going in the backcountry with, make like a collaborative team, and uh, go together and get some skills. Yeah, and I think the other really important thing for for me, I guess, to communicate <laughs> would be like trusting your intuition. Intuition pays like plays like a really, really big part um, in knowing on a personal level, when to go, when not to go and what feels good, what doesn't feel good. Um, and it's not magical. It's not like a magical, like yes, no button, but it definitely, um, can help in decision-making if something just doesn't feel good. Um, or you don't want to do it. (laughs) I'd say like listening to that is like really, really important. Yeah.
3: Solid advice. All right, Robin, I think we pretty much did it. Uh, we always like to ask if you want to throw some thank yous out.
2: Oh, yeah, big time. Um, I'm, I got to try and do this all in one fail swoop. Big thank you to Austin uh, for being always my biggest fan. And uh, to all my really good girlfriends, the Chudes, you know who they are. Um, I love living life with all of you. And uh, all of my sponsors, Arcteryx. Um Yeti always supporting me no matter what. They've been with me and like just do whatever you want. They're the best. Um, Sierra Nevada, uh, Yakima, Jones, Pac Helmets, Amber Sackhouse at Pac Helmets. Um yeah. And Ford Bronco.
1: What? Yeah,
2: I ended up doing a little partnership with them, and it's been really great.
3: She rides for Ford Bronco. Yeah. Talk about a dream Heavy.
1: sponsor. Heavy yeah. moves right there.
2: Yeah. It's funny because I actually was already talking to them before the natural selection. And then I was like, whoa, I got this Bronco now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Might
1: as well ride what? for them. What else?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they've been really great. They've been really awesome. So, um, yeah. I love the support. I um, want to thank my family. They've always been very understanding of this, like, <laughs> wildlife style that I've chosen. Um, yeah, I have a lot of good friends and family and much love to them and everybody who's mentored me and shared the eternal wisdom of the backcountry with me over the years. Uh, I have a lot of, a lot of people to thank. And if I missed anybody, know that I think about you all the time. It was just in this moment I forgot.
3: Amazing. Well, I want to say thank you on behalf of snowboarding for your contribution to snowboarding and the culture and uh, coming and sharing everything you just did with us. I think it was important conversations, a lot of important topics, and I learned a ton, so thank you for coming on and chatting with us.
2: Thanks for having me. What an honor. Seriously, this is such a great... This is great. I love the podcast. It's, like, contributing so much to snowboarding, and I I hope you guys know how much we, like, love having our thing. So thank you. Thank you. And I, I
3: think, like, you know, unofficially we don't have an award, but we did crown sage the king of banter yeah i think she's officially the qob i think it's official queen of banter yeah. qob
2: yeah. that's a Q-O-B. nice beta oh own might have thank to get you. a
3: certificate in the mail soon i'll probably spell <laughs> your name wrong yeah. i did that with sage too so um yeah. but thanks again so much for coming on the show uh, i want to say thank you to all of our listeners everybody that supports us all of our sponsors our patreon members you guys kick ass and uh we got another episode coming at you next wednesday over and out from the bomb hole